is the summer of rock. 101 Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. seconds after the hour of five and this is the month of july in the year of our lord 2009 thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of rock 101 kufo in beautiful downtown portland oregon thank you for uh, joining us on this thursday are you hearing a crackling in your uh i'm totally hearing it. your left ear tim i just put these on i haven't heard anything yet all right well never mind can you drop the music for a second? I'm going to find out where that's... Uh, is that my... Hello? Is there? All right. And know. I'm actually not hearing you at all now. Okay, now I am. All right, so I... Uh, there appears to be some sort of a left channel crackle on my uh, microphone. Greg, are you hearing that? I just want to make sure that it's... Uh, as long as the noise is inside my own head. All right. Okay, so hold on a second. Can you do me a favor? Just turn off the music. Yeah. All right. So, Greg, can you are you, you put on your headphones? Are you hearing a left channel crackle when I speak? All right. The uh, yeah, it does sound like your mic. I forget that when Greg talks now, I can't actually hear him at this point. Can we turn Greg's uh, microphone on? All right. All right. Are you hearing a a, a weird uh, a, a weird noise there? You know, I actually only get right channel anyway over here, so <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you if you were. Awesome. Wait, hold on. Let's take these calls right out of the gate and see if someone is uh, calling about the left channel crackle that appears to be coming out of my microphone. Hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. You are the first call of the day. Please try to set the standard uh, high. All right. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm, Everything's I'm crackly. Doing, I'm hey, doing so, fantastic. Hey, I'm the grand prize winner. I'm the one that's going to, I think it's the soccer game with uh, your co-host. With Sarah, yes. Yeah, I'm Gary Grant. Picking up the tickets today, but I thought you might find this interesting. About 30 minutes ago, I got woken up 30 minutes early by the police banging on my door with a flashlight in the window. I take care of my elderly grandmother, and uh, she got up in the middle of the night, couldn't find a cigarette, and was yelling out the window as loud as she possibly could for someone to bring her a cigarette and for God to strike me with lightning because I couldn't make the store open. And I tried to explain to the police that my grandma has senile dementia and all this other stuff, and they made me call my parents at 3, almost 4 in the morning, and uh, make my dad uh, come down here and uh, deal with everything. And I was wondering, what do you think about that? Like, the neighbors did it. The neighbors called. I mean, they know I take care of my grandma and that it's a pain in the ass, and I'm trying to balance drug treatment and grandma at the same time, and uh, the neighbors hate me, and they did it just to be spiteful. So what do you think I should do to the neighbors? It's going to be one of those days, isn't it? I can just, I can just tell. Um, 
Really, I think at this point, asking us uh, how you what you should quote do to the neighbors is probably going to lead to even more trouble for you because yeah, uh, probably because we're terrible people, and whatever we would think of would probably just result in further unpleasantness uh, yeah, regarding regarding your neighbors. Why so, not hold a neighborhood barbecue and invite everyone? There you go. See, whereas Sarah and I tend to go for divisiveness, Tim, of course, is a uniter of people. Tim Riley. Well, well is the barbecue a whole reason to get them all together so yes, that they can you know and hang maybe... up a pinata? Yeah, and give yeah, everybody yeah. a bat. <laughs> I don't think you want to give anybody in his neighborhood a bat if his no, neighborhood's no, anything no, like mine. Decatur, brother. Let's, let me just back up for a second here. Let me get back to the issue of your grandmother. Yeah. It, it, was your grandmother asking God to strike you with lightning because yeah, yeah. you she, couldn't get the store to open to get her a cigarette yeah, lighter for her cigarette. cigarettes? Yes, yes. She's also <laughs> prayed to God to put me in an early grave. She has asked me and other members of my family to offer, and my mom won't even deal with her. And I am the only member of the family that will tolerate her. Wait, do you live with your grandmother? Yeah, they put her in a home, and I, I didn't like it, the fact that she was in one. She was in one for, like, I don't know, like four or five months. Quiet, kitty. Or I won't feed you, or I'll eat you better yet. Anyway, and um, I wanted her to come home. So I said, I'll live with Grandma because I had just started drug treatment and I was doing well. And if I, I said, if I can if I can interject at this point with a question, what is the nature of the drug treatment, sir? Uh, I'm a methadone patient. I'm a recovering opiate addict. I was a heroin addict. Okay. So and so it's you and your grandmother. Anybody else there? Nope. Just me and grandma and the cat. And my mom and my stepdad live only six houses down. And my dad, I called when grandma first started before the cops ever yes. got here, and he wouldn't come down here and deal with her. So uh, so the your grandmother's screaming out the window for God to strike you dead because you can't get the store to open to get her a pack of cigarettes at 3 a.m., which is frustrating for you because you're just trying to get a good night's sleep, what with the methadone and all. And so the, the neighbors hear the grandmother screaming. They call the cops. The cops come, and they wake you up by shining flashlights in the window. Did you then, did you speak with the police this morning? Oh, yeah. I uh, opened the door, and I said, hello, officers. I think I know why you're here. And I had one one cranking because I didn't want to hear grandma screaming. Of course. And uh, so I said, come on in. Cops saw my bong. That went over real well. Um, now, as somebody who's in drug treatment, you're probably not supposed to have a bong well, sitting around exactly the house. that's why they freaked out. Yeah. And um, they uh, just came in and looked around, said the house was clean because their house was brand new. They just built it. Um, the house was clean. Everything looked fine. Grandma was fine other than the fact that she was screaming weird things that people didn't understand. And they said, it's just this is the third night in a row it's happened. That's what I forgot to mention is why I'm so upset. Yes. The same neighbors for three nights in a row have called the police on me. And they never, no one gets arrested, no one ever gets in trouble, and the cops show up. It's like a waste of taxpayer dollar. Now, let me, just, let's get back to this issue of, a, of the bong for a second. Is, yeah. is that a thing where, like, now the cops having seen that, and because you're in drug treatment, are they going to go and then uh, squeal to somebody? Oh, that they, they can't, because, see, I'm not on parole or probation. Just, just the I'm treatment. And I private pay drug treatment. I pay cash. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, so you are the grand prize, uh, you are the grand prize winner. You, are you going to see that game on the, it's not, is it on the 25th? I think it's on Saturday, they said. It's on Saturday. This is the uh, game against Burnley, I yeah. believe, that you're going to be seeing with Sarah. All right. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to make sure that Greg has your uh, phone number here. Okay. And that we have some technical issues we have to attend to. That Everything that uh, comes out of the left channel of our broadcast today seems to be a little crackly. So i got to... Uh I gotta go in the back room and see what's uh, what's up with that. But uh, I'm gonna have Greg get your phone number, and we'll uh, we'll take your situation under advisement, sir. Okay. Until then, I would just you know breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. 
Okay. And uh, try to refrain from punching anybody in the face, because uh, <laughs> I live in a neighborhood, I think, stunningly similar to yours. And really, the, the urge just to go over and give a guy what for, perhaps with the end of a shovel, is almost overwhelming. But well, you got to resist that. I was that. used to living in the city, and then all of a sudden, uh, I'm back in Estacada taking care of Grandma. And, you know, culture shock, dude. Yes. You know? Wow. It's like everyone is either messed out or they are, you know, running from the people on meth. You're a, uh, you're a fish out of water is what you uh, are. Uh, well, yeah. And uh, the, the stuff people were saying about the Clackamas River is right. It is nasty. About the dude that drowned, they should have left him there as a warning to all the drunk idiots, hobos living on the river who fall in and drown all the time. And it is green, murky, yucky, nasty water. That was uh, yesterday morning. I think you were talking about it. Yes, it was. Looking forward to Saturday. All yeah, right, my hey, friend. Hey, I'm quite the character, huh? Yes. Yeah, hey, uh, is it too? Two tickets or one? Two. Two, sweet. You should bring your grandmother. Maybe she'd, like a, maybe she'd like a day out on the green. Well, I was going to bring my girlfriend with me because I was a little nervous going to be there with Sarah because uh, her voice sounds really good. All right, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. All right, Greg, can you uh, just yeah make sure we have that guy's phone number on one? That would be, uh, be awesome. All right, we're going to do this. All right. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you today? Oh, I can't beat that. It's another glorious Thursday here on the Rick Emerson Show, Tim. I'm going to sit back here and enjoy the calls. <laughs> we're back after this with Tim Riley's Day. They were live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in color. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who's rigged now, Mr. Riggy Man? The Rick Emerson Show returns. That's right. Attention advertisers, you too can reach this prime demographic. You're listening to The Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It is uh, 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. If you would like to uh, engage with us telephonically, you can also text us anytime. 52051. 52051. Coming up later on the day, we'll talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Also, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. And uh, coming up at 8 o'clock today, we'll talk to uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. Plus, your chance to win a pair of passes to Crew Fest 2, happening next Tuesday at the Clark County Amphitheater. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. 524 from the CBS News Center. Going to be a little cooler today, high temperatures in the low 80s, but close to 100 degrees, if not more, by Sunday. A woman collecting money for cats has been arrested. 51-year-old Jane Slandnaker was collecting money door-to-door, posing as a member of the cat adoption team. She was not. This was not a feline fundraiser. Sherwood police alleged she was selfishly pocketing the money and spending it on herself. Portland police were called down to a northeast park last night, Following up on a report of shots being fired, they were. The gang enforcement team arrived at the scene, questioned five troublemakers, and took a get away from them. This happened at 820 at Argay Park. Let me spell that for you. That's A-R-G-A-Y. Uh, two people have been shot at the Fort Lewis PX. A retired soldier shot a vendor, then turned the gun on himself yesterday. Both are dead. More members of the Jackson family are starting to surface we never heard of before. Did you know that Michael has a big sister named Rebby? I was reading that this morning, and I, I learned the same time you did, I think, when TMZ, TMZ reported that she might actually get the kids. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of her before. Where did she come from? What has no she idea. been doing? She's hanging out with Zeppo Jackson. So uh, anyway, uh, she will allegedly get custody of Michael's kids. That's Michael's big sister, Rebby. The 59-year-old singer, singer, 
who shares a home in Las Vegas with her hubby of 20 years, has kept a low public profile, I guess so. And she's a singer. But privately, she's been deeply involved in the life of Michael's children. I I guess it makes sense. He lived in Vegas. That's so weird. Uh, Rebby is currently living with Catherine at the family's Encino home and caring for the kids day to day. Are there any other Jacksons we need to know about that are currently unknown to us at this point? I have never heard of her, ever. Never. Not once in my life have I heard of her. Uh, you know, it took me a while to figure out that Millie Jackson wasn't a member of the, of the Jackson family either. That was a thing that I actually just discovered about six or seven years ago. But so are there other Jacksons that aren't talked about? Presumably. Yeah. I weird. Maybe she's an untalented Jackson, so as such, she was kind of shoved in the back. Maybe she, you know, it's like... Maybe she's like a mentally challenged Kennedy I was who just, disappears I, for life. I was, I was just going to say... Who dedicates her life to helping others. <laughs> I like petunias. I was just, I was just going to say that perhaps she is a uh, a Rose Kennedy type, uh, you know. That uh, where is she? Ah, uh, she's in Calcutta helping the poor. What's that banging coming from the basement? Nothing. It sounds like there's somebody trapped in the basement. It sounds like they can't quite get out. No, no, no. It's uh, it's it's nothing. Please leave now. Somebody begging for cigarettes. Or if to, or or if it's or if it's like a. Or if it's like a, um, if it's like a family where everybody is pretty looking except for one person, and so they're always just sort of cropped out of the photo at the last moment. I wonder, perhaps Rebby Jackson is, um, you know, maybe not quite as gifted as some of the other uh, members of that uh, of that group, and so they're just, uh, you know, they're less inclined to make her publicly available for interviews. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh oh, looks like you could be paying for the Hulu. Walt Disney Company chief executive Bob Iger said, "Hulu online video streaming, which." He now co-owns, I guess Disney owns a piece of this, could one day charge for its content. Oh, yeah? Let's see if anybody spends their money after getting it for free. He says there's plenty of room for people to spend more money on things they're doing online. He cites statistics that show how many people are willing to pay for media content. $5 an hour to watch. I doubt that very much. He's living in a dream world. He thinks people are going to pay $5 an hour to watch movies. No. $5 an hour? $0.75 an hour to read books, magazines, and newspapers. And $0.25 each hour for internet use? Where is he getting this information that people are willing to pay? I for think the this? answer to him is. Uh, does he live in? The answer is his ass. Uh, Pasadena, California. That. Well, that would explain it. No, no, no. I this the story is slow. This just in from the nether regions of my ass. Uh, hold on. No, I'm getting something. Yes, no. It says people are willing to pay five dollars an hour. That's is this what it for, says here. Is this for like? Uh, this is for online TV. Yeah. Assuming you watch four hours of television the night, which is not like out of the realm of possibility for the average American. That's $20 a night. That is, in fact, $600 a month, he's thinking, that people would, uh, it would pay to be watching something. That seems to, that is, you know what it is? That is, that is the entertainment industry mogul version of that thing where they ask a politician how much a gallon of milk costs, and he yeah. thinks it's like 75 cents or $9. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, today is the day of Walter Cronkite's uh, funeral in New York City. The ceremony is being held this afternoon at St. Bartholomew Church in Midtown Manhattan with the CBS Newsman's family worship for decades. Although the uh, service is planned as a traditional burial service from the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer, and on speakers include Andy Rooney. Really? Yeah, that'd be great. As well as Whatever his... happened to breathing? Here's somebody else you never heard of before. Walter Cronkite's son, Chip. Chip, Cron- Chip Cronkite. Chip, Chip Cronkite. Cronkite. <laughs> Worst porn name ever. He's going to be signed up to host, like, uh, Face the Nation or something now. That's well, usually what happens. Well, Chip Cronkite's got to be 70. I mean, if Walter Cronkite died at 93, mm-hmm. and you got to figure that, you know, people were having kids much younger at that what point. What does Chip Cronkite do? I don't know, but Where I mean, he been? he's got, I mean, he, he's got to be over 50, wouldn't you imagine? I would imagine so. Is Chip short for something? Chip's got to be a nickname. There's no like. There's no other. There's no sort of real name that is reduced down to Chip. Like Charles or something. No, that's Chuck. 
Now, we've had this discussion because you didn't know that Jack came from Jonathan. Uh, we were talking about Jack Kennedy. And you, so I don't, I think Chip is just. Maybe he likes Pringles. I, but I, it, Chip seems like that's one of those things from an earlier uh, era. That is the sort of. My three sons. It is, it is a much. Chip and Ernie. Or Chip and Dale. It is, it is one of those things that is uh, often given to. It's like a diminutive of a name, sort of like a junior. It's the chip off the old block, et cetera. So, all right, Chip oh, Cronkite. I, I think he is Walter Cronkite Jr. in reality. So that, but see, that's the thing. So I think there was a certain era in America where Chip was a colloquialism of Junior uh, because he was considered, you know, to be sort of a, a you know a smaller version of the father, etc. When is this happening? Right now. Well, no, this afternoon. Okay, but this afternoon. Wait, wait a minute. Those things, those two things can't be true. Is it happening right now or is it happening this afternoon? This afternoon. Eastern time. Yes. Okay. Oh, Chip Cronkite's on LinkedIn. I want to LinkedIn with me. I want to see. Uh, you know, here I am not on LinkedIn, so you'll have to let me know what he, he looks like. He is married to comedy actress Deborah Rush and has two sons, Walter the Fourth. Also, he's Walter the Third. Uh, this is very. Confusing. Is Walter Cronkite Walter Cronkite Jr.? I don't know. This is. You're... Oh, his birth name is Walter Leland Cronkite the Third. So that means Walter Cronkite is actually Walter Cronkite Jr. You're really just you're weirding me out right now. You're outstripping all my he cognitive is the son abilities. Of Walter and Betsy Cronkite. This is. This is Walter Cronkite's son, but he is Walter Cronkite the third. What a strange program this is. Like five minutes ago, we were talking to a guy who was busy hitting the bong while his grandmother screamed out the window for cigarettes, and the cops came to tase them both. All right, Chip Cronkite. And his son is Walter the fourth. I'm going to look him up here in a bit, Chip Cronkite. All right, awesome. It doesn't say what he does for a living. I would imagine he's Walter Cronkite's son. That's probably what he does for a living. Because I think well, you know, Cronkite, is, for the first 15 years after he left CBS News, they were giving him a million bucks a year not to do anything. And he was on the CBS payroll, like, literally up until he died. I mean, he was at the Walter Cronkite, as of last week, was still a CBS employee, which is why he couldn't get, he, and they had some ironclad non-compete, uh, which is why they couldn't, they, you know, nobody else could ever hire him. He couldn't, he couldn't go broadcast anywhere else. So, uh. It says, uh, Chip Cronkite was a serious producer of Great Decisions in 1986. Oh, that's just sad. Clearly, that's Walter calling it. Look, I have a son, and he doesn't seem to be good at anything. So, oh, he's a film editor too. I'm not sure he is. An AE. Uh huh. Yeah, I did on, uh, on several things. Is he also an associate producer of something or other? What yeah, about it? Lots of things in the eighties. Does he work in development? Maybe that's a good place to stash uh, people who can't here. do anything. And I don't want him on the street running around with a zip gun. Producer Gaffer, best boy. He played himself on American Masters in 2006. Oh, Walter Cronkite. Okay, he played himself in a documentary. And that's the way it is, kids. We come back more from Tim Riley at the news desk. Coming up later on today, we'll talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, Have I asked him about that hot black girl who's on True Blood, the girl that plays Tara? Tara? Do you mean the annoying girl? No, don't you talk that way about my Tara. All right, we'll come back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We're live from Portland. You stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. I love a man in yellow pants. Call 503-228-4101. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. All right, here's a uh, short overview of what is coming up on your uh, Thursday morning. Mystery guest coming up today at 7.20, which I think is the first mystery guest we've had since Fred Durst. So really, you've uh, you've set the bar pretty high for yourselves. I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> Why would you be nervous? Now, wait a minute. Are you nervous for me or are you nervous for you? 
I'm just nervous for the whole listening public end. Do you think that I'm going to do well uh, with today's mystery guest? No. What kind of a thing is that I to mean, say? Yes, you're going to be exemplary. All right. So this back up for a second. So about three weeks ago, which well, I think you should is, ask Greg what he thinks. Too. We've had and it's been kind of a busy couple of weeks with the, the Michael Jackson death and all. The Jackson thing sort of overwhelmed a lot of our normal, you know, a lot of the normal ongoing segments that we do. So I think the last time we did Mystery Guest, which is where I get essentially no notice, um, you know, about who the guest is going to be. I get like five seconds warning about the guest. I typically don't know anything about them. Just get a name. Yeah, I I get a name. I don't have a lot of information. And then I got to kind of fake my way through a three-minute interview with a guest uh, who, you know, and of course, they don't know that their identity is a mystery to me. So the last Mystery Guest we did, though. I swear to God, it was Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit, which is like the last thing I was expecting. And the week before that, it was some, uh, I don't know, some uh, nutcase political author uh, who lives in California who'd written written a book called Ideological Bigotry and talked like this and kept, uh, and kept saying things like, bring it on, tiger. So that was, that was two real good mystery guests in a row. So today at 720, uh, it, we have the first mystery guest of the month. And how do you feel about it? Um, If you're... Thinking about it in the way where Greg and I think it's going to be hilarious. Do you feel like I'm going to be able to pull off a plausible interview? Yes. Okay. See, well, I, there you I go. Think, no, I think you'll be able to do the interview. I think it's going to be uncomfortable. In what sense? I, I can't tell you that. It's well, a mystery. Uncomfortable in the sense that I won't be able to do a good job? You don't no, have to tell think, me who they are, obviously. But no, no, no. I think you'll be able to do a good job. I think that the... the is it somebody with a speech impediment? Just tell me. No, it's not someone with a speech impediment. All right. All right. Not that, not that I'm aware of. And we've already uh, put down a ground rule that it can't be somebody who has the same name as somebody else. So it can't be like a guy from Gresham whose name is Andy Dick. Yes, it's All not right. him. Okay. Okay. That's coming up today at 720. Uh, Mr. Skin for Mr. is going to come up at uh, 640. And we'll talk to him about all that is new in the world of uh, celebrity nudity. And uh, at 8 o'clock, Ryan White, who's the music editor for The Oregonian, will be here. And just, real quickly... The the thing about uh, Skin today is I'm, I have a true blood question to ask him because I'm unsure if I asked him about that girl who plays Tara on True Blood because as of last night, as of last night, I am completely caught up on True Blood. So I am I am up to speed with the rest of the country. So uh, this Sunday I will be uh, watching the new episode along with everybody else. Awesome. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center. It's 546. It's going to be a little bit cooler today. Highs only in the low 80s, but close to 100, if not more, by Sunday. Deadlock. Jurors in the manslaughter trial of Carl and Raylene Worthington still can't come up with a verdict in the trial of those faith-healing wackos. The judge has given the jury a good talking to, but it hasn't helped a bit. Seattle bicyclists are being shot with darts. Abram Doran was riding when he heard a pop and felt a sting in his left buttock. He turned around and saw a four-inch dart sticking in his rear end. The same thing happened to a lady bicyclist just blocks away. A new law is in effect to help Oregonians stay one step ahead of those thieving insurance companies. You must now be given an estimate, an estimate of all out-of-pocket <laughs> costs for all common medical procedures before they are done. I thought you had to be given an, uh, an estimate already. I thought going to the doctor was a bit like going to the mechanic. Nope, they where, didn't have to do that. Really? Because mm-hmm. the mechanic, I think it's like over 50 bucks or something. They have to be able to, they have to give you an estimate, and the estimate's got to be within 10% mm. of the final cost. Hey, let's get back to the, uh, the uh, what's it in Raylene Worth? Raylene is the only is the only name I remember in that case. It's Raylene Worthington and her, her husband. Carl. Who's it? Yeah, it's Carl. Carl's less... Carl sounds less like a name that would be attached to a story like that. Raylene sounds like the woman that is married to Joseph Scruz. Mm-hmm. So, 
This is these are the nutcase. This is my opinion as a, as an editorialist. My opinion protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. These are these nutcase parents. Uh, the, the kid got sick, and they decided that Jesus was. Yes. And apparently, Jesus was. Well, Jesus is busy. Well, I. <laughs> I was going to say that Jesus hadn't he hadn't uh, brushed up on uh, he doesn't on, randomly stop by on advances of modern medicine. Well, I thought that you know it's one of those things where you have to take a refresher course now and again. Like about every ninety days, we have to take that test that tells us not to say the f word on the air because mm-hmm. they think that maybe we've forgotten about it. And if you don't take the test every ninety days, then you get a little like thing in your email box saying like Les Moonves demands that you take the test now or you will not be allowed to broadcast on a CBS radio station even after I've taken it. So I wondered if maybe if uh, you know if Jesus had let his uh, had let his child saving abilities lapse somehow, and he hadn't been able to uh, to schedule some sort of a correspondence course to get back up to speed with everybody else. So the kid had some weird choking pneumonia thing going on, and they decided that Jesus was was going to do the healing. Jesus couldn't be bothered apparently, and now the kid is dead. Does it? I mean, does it, has the jury? I guess you wouldn't know though because the jury hasn't because the whole thing isn't concluded, so the jury can't really speak about it publicly. Right. They're sitting in the back room eating sandwiches, discussing the situation. So there's some Telly Savalas guy back yeah. there who's just he's dug in his heels and is refusing to, uh, you know, to, to, because it just seems to me, what with all my vast legal knowledge, like how is it, how is it that they would not be guilty of doing something it seems like the facts of the case that are agreed upon by everybody mm-hmm. which is that the kid got sick the parents didn't take her to the hospital even though taking her to the hospital probably would have saved her life and so now the kid's dead those are all the facts that from what i've seen seem to be those are not disputed those are the facts that are not being challenged by anybody right so it just seems like that there just in and of itself is enough to sort of to, to, to hang you know to, to sort of hang some kind of charge on them all right well i guess it'll all it'll all come out in the wash it's time to declare a war on hot dogs. A nonprofit organization called the Cancer Project is declaring war on America's favorite snack food. They filed a class action consumer fraud lawsuit against several hot dog makers, claiming they failed to warn consumers about the potential link between hot dogs and cancer. This was filed yesterday in Jersey on behalf of three Garden State residents. Named in the lawsuit are Nathan's, Kraft, Oscar Meyer, Sara Lee, Conagra, and Marathon. The Cancer Project is asking the court to force these companies to stamp all hot dog packages with warnings that say, quote, consuming hot dogs and other processed meats increases the risk of cancer. Well, all right. You agree? Disagree? I, I, you know, it just sort of seems that life gives you cancer. Really, being born increases your risk of cancer at this point. There's, uh, the, the number of things that are purportedly going to kill me or make my life unpleasant at some, at some juncture just so numerous as to defy explication. So I'm not going to worry about it. And I was distracted by this text message that said, Damn you, Rick, I listened to that vagina song last night. Now I can't get it out of my head. Which, by the way, was keeping me awake all night. Uh, because I had this, uh, you know, this kind of like scrapey uh, throat thing uh, going on. So a couple times during the evening, I would get up to have the water. At one point, I think around 4 a.m., I got up to, I guess it wouldn't have been 4, but around 2, I got up to, uh, to get some aspirin. And it's like I hadn't been awake for half a second, and I had that damn storm large song going through my head. The one about, I find myself whistling it all the time. It's constantly, and then I, and it's just a matter of time. It's like the countdown is on until I begin humming in a polite company, and that's not going to be any. Uh, that's not going to be good. This text at five two zero five one says, "Rick, I tried to watch True Blood, but I couldn't even make it through one episode. How can you sit through that horrible show? It's uh, <laughs> it's because I have no standards, sir or madam, as the case may be." Here's Tim Riley. It's fantastic. It'd be funny if they put the words of that song on one of those message boards that are like on Highway Twenty Six. Instead of the the and zombie they have a alert, bouncing ball to get the, all the drivers happy. Yeah, as they're driving in traffic on the way home. You know, it's uh, nothing. Nothing keeps people happier, Tim, than Storm's private area. Mm-hmm. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. 
Say, if you want to become a dentist in Florida, all you need is a black reclining chair and a drill set. Florida officials have arrested a woman on suspicion of allegedly practicing dentistry in the garage. Uh, what is the mystery? Either she did or she didn't. Uh, Rosemary <laughs> Toledo has been arrested. Deputies found a cabinet containing drills, moles, dental crown glues, partial dentures, and bridges. A cabinet containing drills is an unpleasant mm-hmm. idea. She also had information on hundreds of patients who went into her garage to sit in a leather chair. Uh, deputies say the information she practiced as a dentist in Mexico, too, before she moved. Maybe here. it's a really nice garage. She's uh, charged with practicing uh, dentistry without an active license and being an unlicensed person uh, leasing or operating dental equipment. Of all of the things on earth that you would see and have it done to you by somebody who is unlicensed, dentist is like dead effing last at the mm-hmm. bottom of the list. There's, there is, uh, well, see, and I, I, I don't <laughs> think I have anything to, I have nothing to compare, I suppose. Yeah. I just, but you know, but look, unless my understanding of the female anatomy is different uh, than, than that of reality, it seems like they're not taking a drill to that thing. You know what I mean? It's No, but it's very unpleasant. I, I guess. Like, I just remember, the, the, you know, you, like dentists at certain point are having to, having to reach inside your head with a pair of pliers and snap things off. So that's just a, that just takes it to a whole different level. That's a, the, Dentistry is the only form of medicine that's really like that, where there's a guy literally... Where, I don't think there's any other part of the human body where a treatment can sometimes involve the dentist with his foot up on the chair and somebody bracing him against a wall while he gives you, you know, gives it a good yank with a pair of needle nose pliers. I mean, that just, uh, that That sounds like a W.C. Fields movie. It seems to be, it seems, but I think, isn't that the deal with uh, with wisdom teeth? Where occasionally you'll get wisdom teeth that are very, you know, they're very, very attached. They're very deeply sort of rooted inside your jaw. And so I the dentist is mine. He's going at you with a chisel and a hammer. I won't allow it. No, see, that's, but see, yeah, that's my like thing, too. they chip mine apart. See? Because it was so deep in there. There's no other part of your body that they have to chip apart when there's some sort of problem with it. I don't care. Thought about it, you could talk about it. It could be your eye. It could be your ass. It doesn't matter. They're not chipping anything else away from away my eyes. <laughs> Oh. I would think that something is very wrong there. But, but see, that's what I'm saying. But you don't ever have to worry I about that. I remember that eye chipping tomorrow. We'll take care of you. All, the only thing they would ever do with an eye is do that, that, they do that like puff of air thing into your eye. Your teeth, it's like they're basically taking a jackhammer to the inside of your jaw occasionally. Let me just say this. The last time I was at the dentist, which is about two weeks ago, mm. I go in for my uh, for my cleaning, which is for my, ad, for my thrice annual lying to the dentist about, yes, I floss every day. No, of course. I can't imagine why I have tartar buildup. No, it's, it's a mystery to me, too. And when the dentist says, well, okay, so you want to um, floss these canines and, um, you know, these incisors, too. These are going to be pretty easy to get at. And uh, Do you use waxed uh, floss or unwaxed? Waxed. Okay, that's that, that's good. Maybe the mint kind. Now, these uh, in your back, your wisdom teeth, these are um, these are a little tricky. We can just go ahead and take these out, actually. This would be a lot easier if these wisdom teeth weren't even here. So maybe next time we'll talk about just removing these. And I'm doing I mean, the same thing. The only th- people they bother is the dentist. No, so that- why should I make it more convenient with the dentist to have something ripped out of my body? <laughs> and in my head, I'm doing I'm doing exactly the same thing uh, that you are. You know, I'm just thinking like, no, that's not going to happen. It's no. not going to happen ever. I just kept waiting for you to press the button over there, and it never started. It never, it never. Sarah never pressed the button, so I just kept talking. All right. Is that the way the show usually works? Yeah, I talk until somebody tells me not Pretty to. Pretty much. All right. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it's the Rick Emerson Show. You stay right there. It's Thursday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland. Because I'm lame. 
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up inside this hour at 640, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will uh, uh, join us. Uh, 620, we have more news from Tim Riley coming up at 7 o'clock. Wait, hold on. Now I've gotten my own, I've gotten my own, uh, my own schedule all wonky inside my head. Coming up at 720, uh, we have the mystery guest coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, Ryan White, who's the music editor for the Oregonian, he's going to bring in his own top five. By the way, so uh, it's his uh, it's his first attempt at a top five here on the Rick Emerson Show. So, I, Greg and I just looked up um, some stuff on the mystery guest. Is Perhaps gonna... we saw the person speaking on the YouTube. Is it going to be awesome? Oh boy, <laughs> Tim Riley, what headlines are you following on this uh, Wednesday? Jesus, all day yesterday I thought it was I thought Thursday. It was Thursday all. All day today? Almost everybody I talked to yesterday thought it was Thursday. I've been thinking it's Wednesday all morning. For the love of God Almighty, on this Thursday morning, Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines for you. Yes, you. A Boise policeman threatens to stick a taser up a man's backside. (laughs) Sorry. That was, I was thinking of something else that I heard earlier today. Uh, Gloria Vanderbilt says Marlon Brando was boring at lovemaking in a racy new novel. And sadly, the Taco Bell Chihuahua passes away. Yeah, but he lived to, or she lived to be, you know, 15, was 15 which is, you know, that's like a thousand mm-hmm. dog years or whatever. So uh, <clears throat> we've got this. This is Rick. The subject line of this is just thookie. Rick, by the way, I almost crashed my car today uh, while I was driving because I was listening to a podcast of the show where you were recapping True Blood. <laughs> you were talking about Bill burning to a crisp in the sun and then saying sookie with a lisp. Me and my mom couldn't stop laughing. We spent the rest of our car trip acting out True Blood and saying "thookie" with Bill's crispy lisp. My mom has asked you to th- ask me to thank you for making the long trip much more bearable. Well, there you go. I uh, I try to help. So, oh. uh, and there's the last thing I'll say about it for now, uh, th- th- because otherwise this show's just going to become it's like nothing but one long True Blood recap. Because I'm doing that thing of catching up on the series, and I am now completely caught up. But, you know, it's like when somebody comes to visit you when they're on vacation and they forget you're not on vacation. So I've been catching up on what, however many episodes, like 16 episodes. And so, of course, in my mind's eye, everybody is catching up. Everybody in the entire country is catching up on those 16 episodes. But so now I just finished episode, whatever it is, five of season two. It was good, but wasn't it, isn't it getting boring with the Sookie and Bill stuff? I Here's here's who uh, I find really dull. I find uh, really uninteresting, what's his name? Jason. Sam Merlot, the, the bar guy. Oh, see, I find him attractive, which is why I find him interesting. I mean, he's a good looking guy, I suppose, but it's, but it's him and his like endless, no, no pun intended. Jason and like, mouth breathing annoys me. Well, everybody on the program is irritating. That's Every the thing. Every single person. Here's the thing about that show is you can't really identify a single character on there that's not off-putting or irritating or annoying or shrill in some way. The show manages to somehow be more than the sum of its parts, uh, but taken as components, every single person on that program is just incredibly irritating. I mean, you can't imagine sharing a car ride uh, with any of them. Except for Eric. Now, uh, here's the only other person that I really like on that show is uh, whatever her name is, uh, that hot redhead. That she, Bill I turned like into a vampire. A lot. She annoyed me at first. She's like the Southern Church girl that he turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. I'm a yeah. I'm a big fan of hers. No, I like her too. Big Daddy Rick likes her a lot. So we've got that, and then now I'm watching uh, Californication. I'm getting caught up on that as well. So, uh, and I've I, been watching NYC Prep. <laughs> and I didn't get, which is a thing that my wife watches, and that's just, and I can't go down that road. That's just, that's just one shade too. It's one shade too too dramatic for me. I can't I can't watch that because that's like a real life gossip girl thing, right? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, she's, it's terrible and amazing. Laura was watching it and she said that about halfway through the second episode, she realized that she wanted to set everybody on that show on fire. It makes you poor human beings. Yeah, it makes you feel dirty when you watch it. Yeah, she was. She said it was just so un. 
unbelievably uh, irritating, and they were so off-putting as people that she had great difficulty watching it. She was unclear about whether she was going to keep keep viewing that. She will. You can't stop. Here's the thing about uh, Californication, though, is a great show. That's not, And see, that's something that Greg had talked to me about. Nibbler was uh, saying that, that it was a good show, and I had no idea what to expect. I thought for some reason it was going to be like an hour-long drama about the struggle for relationships and sort of, you know, the dark, you know, the dark journeys of the human soul as one tries to find a connection with. And it really isn't. It really is just David Duchovny as like a drugged out, burned out writer who just humps everything in sight. It reminds me a lot of a show that used to be on HBO years ago called Dream On with this guy, Michael Benben. And it, Michael Benben? That was it's an unfortunate name. Uh, but it, it, the show is basically just an excuse for him to have sex with a lot of hot women. And that's sort of what Californication seems to be, unless it takes some really, unless it takes some really strange turn, uh, you know, later on in this first season, which is which, which is what I'm watching right now. So, which is good because I mean, because after catching up on the, 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 you know, getting so caught up on most of Breaking Bad, I just needed something that was a little lighter because mm-hmm. that show is just like it just strips away your soul as you watch it. It just it just it just taints you just in the darkest way. I didn't get anything watched though last night because Sarah and I went to and Greg went to the uh, the Willamette Week uh, Best of Portland party, party yeah. which was a spe- you want to talk about it? awkward. <laughs> so Sam Adams is there. Uh, who, as you may uh, remember, as you may recall, is our uh, is our mayor at the moment. You may recall. Oh, never. I get it. Anyway, so uh, so Mayor Sam Adams is there, and then the uh, I never saw him, but the guy who is running the recall effort was apparently was there, there as well. And not only that, but Mark Zussman, who's the um, the owner, like he's the editor of of Willamette Week who just released yesterday his statement supporting the recall of Sam, Sam Adams, was so, there talking to Sam Adams. So this was so this was great. So there's Sam Adams walking around the Willamette Party, and you got to give the guy props for having stones. No, you know what? I He got a lot more of my respect, and he looked good. Because he's walking around. He's there at the Willamette Party, and... You know, meanwhile, there are stacks and stacks and stacks of the Willamette's Best of Portland issue, the lead editorial of which is just a full-page thing from Mark Zussman about why Sam Adams ought to be tarred and feathered and run out of town on a rail. I was just praying that Bo Breedlove would show up. Oh, man. It was... I kept trying so desperately to find the guy who was leading the Sam Adams recall drive because I wanted to somehow maneuver him to standing right next to Sam Adams so I could get a photo with you know the two of them to be like all three of us in the frame at once. Oh, me too. No, I was looking at my BlackBerry trying to find a picture of what the guy I looked am, like so that I could like compare it to people as I was walking around. I have no idea. I assume that he's fat and pasty, but I could be wrong about that. I have no idea. I just uh, I I have no notion. I don't even know. I don't know the guy's name. I just to me he's just the guy who's running the recall effort. So you know I I, I don't think I could pick him out of a lineup if I had to. But at one point, Sam Adams, I think, had enough of people sort of staring at him because they had some they had a car on display. I guess they had like a uh, I think one of their sponsors was a was a car dealership or a car company. And so there was a, some sort of a car that was kind of on display underneath the tent that I think was some you know, part of like a third party sponsorship. Was. Was, yeah. And so at one point, Sam Adams vanished and he was just sort of sitting in the back of the car. And then the door shut, and he just stayed in there for about 20 minutes. I think he just, I think that was going to be like his own personal TARDIS. He was just going to vanish through that and just uh, into a place where people were not going to uh, be pointing at him. But he was, stayed a lot longer than I thought he would. He was there for a while. Uh, he stayed longer than I did. I'll give you that. I showed up, and about the time that you told me, hey, there are some clowns coming out of the tent, that's when I decided to leave. It was just... Uh, there were clowns? Well, because I got this kind of scrapey voice thing going on, and it's hot, and the sun is pounding, and, you know, I'm standing right next to a speaker, and a DJ kept, you know... You know, he's sort of playing this, like, music, like, six inches away from my head. Nobody likes DJs. And I'm the only one who's not drunk. And so it just becomes like Dante's Ninth Circle almost immediately for me. And at a certain point, I looked over at Sarah, and Sarah looked at me, and I said, 
Well, yeah, it was like I'd sort of done like I'd had my card punched. You know what I mean? It's like I basically go to events like that just long enough to have it is sort of like having your parking validated. I go there just so Sarah can sort of see that I have come and made a good faith effort to schmooze and to press the flesh and to shake the hands of all and sundry in the uh, Portland scene. And then I go back home. So that was it. And did you? And I did. I went back home and I went, I went to bed. That was. I went home and I went to bed at eight thirty because I'm because I'm exciting because I'm a thrilling human You're crazy. being. That doesn't sound very thrilling to me. No, it doesn't. Oh, by the way, did you see Peter Carlin there? No, did you? I did. I was gonna. I was gonna bring him over and. Uh, and was he as drunk as he was last year? I don't know, but I was going to open the conversation with your line about I wouldn't mind uh, seeing Peter Carlin naked. I ain't a chance to do that. Back after this with Tim Riley. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. This is the Rick Emerson Show. You're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. On Rock 101, KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Now, it's a thing you said, I think, this past Tuesday... I think it would have been the day before yesterday at 10.15 a.m. Sarah Dillon says, quote, I wouldn't mind seeing Peter Carlin naked, end quote. Oh, because we're talking about him, like, nuding it up for a, a calendar. So this is uh, Peter Carlin, a uh, features writer for the Oregonian. So I guess he, they're is doing... He, I'm, you know, I, you know, Peter's a very nice guy. I have no interest in him whatsoever, but I'm saying... I, I find him utterly repellent, but all the same. <laughs> he's just horrible. He's hideous. I find that he. Uh, I find that he. Uh, he makes all of my areas of eroticism completely shrivel. But uh, but that that notwithstanding. No, he's he's a good-looking fella. I wouldn't mind seeing him naked on a calendar. In a sort of Henry Thomas from E.T. kind of way. So uh, he was at the uh, but he was at the Willamette party last night. And he was standing behind you at one point, and maybe I was, he actually, was ignoring me. I was, maybe he's, well, I think uh, there was also Mrs. Carlin. Uh, oh, so a lot of times oh. when the misses are there, I tend to not get as many highs. You tend to uh, yeah, you tend to not go over very well with wives. <laughs> with I wives. have uh, I have uh, wives and uh, and GFs as they say. Mm-hmm. I uh, I find that that you tend to which is so ridiculous. Because it, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense from you know who I am. You well, you are. Um, you have some sort of weird reverse pheromone for women. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's only women who have guys. It's like if a woman has a husband or a boyfriend, uh, you have some sort of weird. Um, you have some sort of uh, weird thing about clashing. I think a lot of times with women like that. That's a thing that I have noticed. I also have a weird thing about men who are married hitting on me. That's well, we were having this discussion the other day when you were. Um, we were having a discussion about something or other, and you actually, Sarah actually said, she goes, do I like have mistress written on my forehead or something? Because that does seem to be, that does seem to be a weird uh, sort of inclination that you bring out in married guys. And I'm not, and, and, and really, I'm actually not saying that about Peter Carlin. I should be very clear about no, that. No, no, no. Yeah. But this we were somebody completely talking about somebody separate. completely different, but, um, but there was somebody who had made sort of an untoward advance at one point, And you noted that that's a thing that's happened to you for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's happened since high school. Well, on that awkward note, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center. It is now 628. It's going to be a little bit cooler today. Highs in the low 80s. But don't let that throw you off because it's going to be at least 100 degrees, if not more, by Sunday and Monday. Well, it's never worth your... We talked about this before. It's never worth your effort to try to stop a robber. If you work in a place where robbers might congregate. No, just let them steal whatever they like. That is the lesson of a Vancouver 7-Eleven store clerk. After you tried to stop three youngsters from stealing beer, Kevin Curtis was uh, working the life-threatening overnight shift 
when he tried to stop them. The single dad without insurance now must pay for his own badly injured knee, and those kids got away with some cigarettes. Now, is this now is that not something that the store will pay for because it was as part of his job duties? It's unknown. I wonder. I wonder if maybe the when you sign up for that gig, if they tell you. Because I, I worked for an actual 7-Eleven. It wasn't like an off-brand convenience or like an actual 7-Eleven. And the guy who owned the 7-Eleven, although it was, they're franchises, I think, so maybe there is no national policy. The guy who ran the 7-Eleven, like, flat out told me, he's like, you do whatever it takes to, to protect the till. Don't let them get away with my precious loot. And, and he told me, you know, he's like, there's a there's a bat behind the counter. Put your body in front of it. That, I mean, really. I mean, he's like, and he, there was no fooling, like an actual Louisville slugger behind the counter. And the you handle, have to be quick, though. I mean... Would you say, excuse me, while I pick up this bat? Especially, I mean, how would you do that? Pull it back and then slowly swing it forward. Especially because the guy who's robbing you probably has a gun, especially in mm-hmm. Southern California, which is where I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, I mean there's, there's no way. And so, but he was he was all, and he was like this kind of this paunchy middle-aged guy. I thought you were going to say like a nice strike. He was going to be like, you know, it's not worth it. No, no, he totally said it was worth it. I mean, really, I was expendable. I was only there to protect his green. He looked like... Um, he looked like that guy that plays Shia LaBeouf's dad in Transformers, that the, the, Mr. Witwicky, whatever his name is, that kind of Alan Gabrowski looking guy, and he had this whole thing of it. And so I've got this, uh, I've got this baseball bat we keep here, and he pulls it out from behind the counter, and the handle is all wrapped in duct tape, and I and I for, I forget whether it looked like it was brand new or whatever, but I don't think it had actually been used for anything. And he told me that that was what I was supposed to use to, to protect his precious store, and then as soon as he's gone. You know, he left me with this guy named Steve who was going to train me, uh, you know, on, on the actual shift and show me everything you have to do and whatever. As soon as he's gone, Steve was like, F that, man. He's like, some guy comes in to rob. He's like, you just run out the back door. He's like, I'll show you. It dumps right out on, onto, like, uh, you know, whatever, Lafayette Street or whatever. He's like, just go out the back. You don't screw that. Don't listen to him. And sure enough, some guys came in one time, and they did the beer theft. And they didn't, I mean, they weren't even trying to be sneaky about it. They came into the store, and they just picked up a half rack of Heineken. And they just started walking to the door, and I just said, see you now. You know, just have a good night. There's no point in causing trouble. No. Ten Fort Lewis soldiers are under arrest after setting off some smoke bombs in the Tacoma neighborhood for fun. Now, these are military-grade uh, bombs, usually used on foreign terrorists or innocent civilians over there. Not friendly Tacoma folks. The soldiers in question include six sergeants. So, it's hard to ignore this Barack Obama hoopla about all these internet nuts who think Barack Obama was not born in the United States. And now, Lou Dobbs with his clanky teeth picks up on it. So it's time for Jon Stewart to call out Lou Dobbs because it was reported on his own network that this whole thing is a fake thing anyway. Certificate says... He was born in Hawaii. Political Fact Check, which is a nonpartisan group, went to Chicago to view the birth certificate last year, and they released photos of the Republican governor of Hawaii, Linda Lingle. On record, she says Obama was indeed born in her state. The director of the Hawaii Department of Health wrote a letter that the Hawaii State Department of Health has Senator Obama's original birth certificate. We also have a copy of the Honolulu Advertiser, the newspaper, August 13th, and the Hawaii Star Bulletin, August 14th, 1961, both announcing Barack Obama's birth. And? (laughs) That was CNN's Kitty Pilgrim doing a thorough debunking of this silliness on July 17th. So... It's a lot of questions remaining, and seemingly the questions... And now this is Lou Dobbs, also on CNN. Mm -hmm. Dealt with. <laughs> it's your own f- network. 
I mean, the thing about Lou Dobbs is, I, it's so he's, he, they're moving him further to the right to, to put him in like AM talk mood because nothing is really working for him. But because he used to seem passionate but normal, I yeah. mean, a couple of years ago, Lou Dobbs always just sort of seemed like a Pat Buchanan type, mm-hmm. where he was, you know, sort of stayed and kind of, uh, you know, he was sort of conservative in his thinking. I but now I mean, he's turning see that into the BTN when he's on the air. See, that's the thing is he didn't seem flat out nuts though, uh, but now he's just completely. It, and the thing is, he's not even he's not even sort of entertainingly nuts in the way that like a uh, you know that like one of the Fox guys would be. Yeah, like Lou Dobbs just sort of seems like your cranky, out-of-touch grandfather who's, who occasionally thinks he's back in the Battle of Verdun. You know, and you walk, you walk inside, and he's aiming a gun at the family dog. And you're, Grandpa, what's going on? And he goes, Jerry's in the house! You know, and you just kind of go, okay. And then you call the cops. Lou Dobbs just... And, and I have to tell you, I don't know what is up with his face. It's not just the teeth at this point. He's got this weird... It's like somebody's force-feeding him carrots by the bushel because he's got this strange orange hue that's going on with his complexion lately. Oh, that's that HD makeup. Yeah, there's... Is, is that the deal? Are they... E- even Anderson Cooper looks more like a pumpkin now. Hey, can I tell you this? Speaking of, of that, so, uh, you know, the the CW, uh, Nor- uh, Northwest 32... Are you were, wearing that now? They are, you know what? Within 30... Uh, within three months, within 90 days, uh, that the channel... Here, turn into a pumpkin. 32, where they're going to start doing HD stuff, so I'm oh, going to be on... <laughs> I'm going to be broadcasting an HD within within 90 days. So I gotta go get that uh, burn victim makeup and start troweling that on like now. Remove all my pores. All right, straight ahead we have uh, more from Tim Riley at the news desk plus Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with billions. Call 503-228-4101. Watch me go lube up Academy Award nominated actor John Turturro. Oh, yeah. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. All right, that was that was awesome. There's no getting around that. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. All right, in uh, mere moments, we'll talk to our good friend, Mr. Skin, at MrSkin.com. Coming up next hour, mystery guest, ladies and gentlemen. Mystery guest coming up today at 720. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you uh, that I can make this a workable, passable three-minute interview with the mystery guest, whose identity is unknown to me at this time? If we're workable and passable, you mean like horribly awkward and I don't amazing? Mean, I, I, don't, I don't mean horribly awkward. Oh. I mean... Awkward doesn't mean unworkable. Because, because no, I think you, you're a good interviewer. You can make it work. Mm-hmm. There's the goal of the, from my point of view, the challenge is that I have to take a, a guest whose identity, again, is unknown to me until literally like five seconds before I pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And then I got to do a three-minute interview as though I were well-versed in their subject, knew who they were, had prepared for it, without letting without letting them, you know, sort of become the wiser to, to it. Uh, and I have the bell, too, for, so for every minute that goes by so that people can know that. So do you feel like I'm going to be able to do that? Of course I do. Uh, see, there you go. So I'm see. You, yeah. I'm not saying that it's not going to be terribly awkward, but I think you can do. See, it. but I think these things are really only awkward for you. I think that's the thing is I think it's awkward for you because you're always waiting for me to fail, and I never do, Sarah. That's uh, that's what I you need to learn at this. Look point. at the look on Greg's face. All right, that's, is that the look of failure? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we'll find out in one moment. We'll go to the news desk with Tim Riley. Let's uh, take a moment to talk to our good friend, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Hello, sir. How are you today? How you doing, Rick? I am uh, fantabulous, my friend. How's uh, how's life in the world of nudity? What do you have for the fine people of Portland today? Well, 
I, I want to bring up that Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is number one at the box office and, and also give you a little rundown on the girls of Harry Potter. Uh, I'm always asked about Emma Watson, so many guys wanting to know when she's going to do her first nude scene. She's about 19 years old now, and she's, fr she, she's British, so the chance of her doing nudity is pretty strong, though it hasn't happened yet. There's uh, an actress in uh, the last couple episodes, Helena Bonham Carter, who plays Bellatrix, and uh, she has actually done great nudity in her career, a movie called Wings of the Dove, uh, complete nudity, including her Hufflepuff, uh, very exciting. And uh, Helen McCrory is a new girl who plays Narcissa, and uh, we've been getting a lot of searches at MrSkin.com on Helen McCrory nude from Google, and uh, believe it or not, she did a movie 10 years ago called The James Gang, in which she's topless. So that's a little uh, Harry Potter rundown for you. Um, there's a movie that opens in theaters this weekend called The Ugly Truth. It's an R-rated comedy starring Katherine Heigl and Gerard Butler. There is no nudity, even though it's rated R, but... Uh, if you're a fan of Katherine Heigl from Knocked Up or Grey's Anatomy, check out a movie she did in 2005 called Side Effects. She has a topless scene at the 24-minute mark. It's brief, but it is the only topless shot of Katherine Heigl available to date, uh, The Ugly Truth in theaters this weekend. And then finally, I want to mention that uh, Disney babe Vanessa Hudgens, uh, best known for her role as Gabrielle in a high school musical, reported this week that she'll be stripping down in the upcoming drama Sucker Punch, which is set in a 1950s brothel. And uh, she was quoted as saying, there's not a whole lot of clothes in this. Now, that does not guarantee nudity from this uh, Disney star, but uh, it, it's looking pretty good. That movie should be out in 2010. And there is precedent for Disney babe turned uh, nude icon. Um, Anne Hathaway, of course, was in The Princess Diaries and went on to be naked in Havoc. And uh, that kind of propelled her career. Hopefully, Vanessa Hudgens, Hudgens will uh, uh, be naked also soon. Excellent. All right, my friend, as always, doing the Lord's work. Thank you so much. We will speak with you next week, sir. Take care, Rick. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com for Hufflepuff. I was waiting for the obligatory her Harry Potter. HR <laughs> Hufflepuff. Did not there ought to be an HR Hufflepuff. All right. Um, so, uh, well, let's do this. So what uh, stories are we following on this uh, Thursday, Tim? And then we'll do is uh, we'll get caught up. We'll come back. We'll do a big sweep and lose at the top. So what are we uh, following for the fine people? The DEA raids Michael Jackson's doctor's office. I'm having a hard time keeping up with all these doctor well, raids. Can I ask which doctor this was? I don't know. All right. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. I've read all these stories, and it really doesn't make it clear who's been raided. So all right. Somebody's been raided. Then some uh, sister that nobody's ever heard about, a uh, sister Michael Jackson, will raise the children. And uh, Gloria Vanderbilt talks about her racy new novel. This is uh, Gloria Vanderbilt, the mother of Anderson Cooper? Yes. All right, let me... Uh... I'll take this opportunity during the uh, break to, uh, to queue up those awkward Anderson Cooper sound bites where he talks about his mom humping it out with Brando. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it straight ahead. We have news from Tim Riley at the news desk. Coming up next hour, mystery guest at 7.20 and at 8 o'clock, uh, Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian. Stay there. We're back after this. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland.
Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, the finest city on God's green earth, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up this hour at 7.20, we will have another exciting installment of Mystery Guest. I think this is the first Mystery Guest that's got both you and Greg a little unnerved, though. I can tell that Greg feels a little sketchy about the whole thing. Tim, uh, you know the identity of the Mystery Guest. Do you believe there's cause for concern? You can handle it. Ah, see, that's what I'm talking about. See, yeah, no, I, I, now I'm we not, know who's in Rick Emerson's corner and who's not. There's no doubt that you can handle it. I didn't say that. I'm just saying that it might be kind of awkward. You're sure it's somebody <laughs> that doesn't have Tourette's? It's nobody with any kind of ailment. Okay. I've seen this. I've... I've Watch the Do they have an ailment of the soul, possibly? I've watched on the YouTubes this person speaking, mm. and they, they're very well-spoken at the subject that they are well-versed at. Okay. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll have Oregonian music uh, uh, editor Ryan White is going to be in the studio. He'll be bringing the top five with him as well. This, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk is your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center. It is 701. It's only going to be in the 80s today, but don't let that fool you. It's going to be at least 100 degrees, if not more, by Sunday. So it's uh, a $250,000 fine and two years in the pokey for a woman who swindled an old man, 41 year old Carla Ann Newslander. Uh, pled guilty to aggravated theft and criminal mistreatment, taking advantage of George Smith. She was convicted of lying to the old fellow about needing money to save her house from foreclosure and to buy food. The government presented evidence saying the woman used the money to support a gambling habit. She helped Smith with household duties and accepted checks. She looks like a thoroughly period. awful person, too. Just based on her, uh, if you've seen her mugshot that's on the yep. front page yes. of the Oregonian, she looks like a terrible, awful, no good, there? very bad woman. Uh, and the cat lady looks pretty scary, too. Yeah, the cat lady's no good either. It's a whole day full of bad things. When I get old, nobody's getting a dime. <laughs> I'll do my own housework. You're going to be like Leona Helmsley and just leave it to your dogs? Absolutely. There you go. And they had to be pampered day and night by little people. Not actual little people, but you know what I mean. So uh, let's talk about uh, President Obama. He made a nice speech last night. He also talked about the uh, the roughing up of Henry Louis Gates in Cambridge. In case you didn't hear the story, this guy's trying to get into his own house. He's a, a scholar, a uh, nationally known uh, figure. And the cops uh, gave him a hassle only because he was black trying to get into his own house. I think it's fair to say, number one, any of us would be pretty angry. Number two, that the Cambridge police acted stupidly in arresting somebody when there was already proof that they were in their own home. I think the guy actually had his wallet, too. I think I think Henry Louis Gates actually pulled out his ID like, look, it's my picture. I live here. Why are you handcuffing me? Come on. And I mean... It's just, it's just so off the charts absurd. I mean, he's. I think we mentioned this yesterday. Time Magazine named him one of the twenty-five most influential people, like in the country, in a country of two hundred and eighty million people. But you know, don't he's sitting there trying to wiggle the key to his, uh, you know, to his own house, and immediately the cops are there, like you know, handcuffing him. So what might happen, say uh, hypothetically, if the president uh, struggled with his keys? To get into the White House. I mean, if I was trying to jigger into, well, I guess this is my house now, so it probably wouldn't happen. But let's say my old house in Chicago. Um, here I'd get shot. <laughs> I, su- I suppose that's I've never true. Heard the that's like fair that. point. <laughs> you don't typically hear presidents joke about being shot. Well, that's but... because they're white and wouldn't be. <laughs> Basically, I, it's what it comes down to. I, I think he does know the realistic situation of his. I, I think Obama does have a. He has. I think he has this sort of. Um, I think he has this keen sense of 
comedy that a lot of other presidents. Clinton had that, mm-hmm. and I think Reagan had it because the of charm. his the of his yeah. yeah the acting background. And I think Obama has got a lot of that those inherent actors' instincts uh, that Reagan and Clinton had as well, which let them sort of get away with saying things that probably the average you know the like Nixon like anything Nixon said just came out as sinister. I mean, it didn't matter what it was. I'm coming to your house to give you a kitten, and it just you were just like oh God, board up the windows, get a steak, because it just seemed like something bad was going to happen. So, but Obama's sort of the uh, the inverse of that. There are now more TVs in American homes than there are Americans. Hooray! There are now 2.86 television sets. That's more than 10 years ago. There's always room for an extra TV. Why not pick up an extra one on your way home from work today? Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I should actually say at this point, my wife and I, we only have one television. And I'm proud to say that we don't have a television in the bedroom because I consider that. That's one of the final frontiers of being a rube. I just can't. I can't, and I know that some people some people do that, but to me, the, the, the TV in the bedroom, I don't know, maybe that's just a me thing. I think it's a you thing. Well, because I like I, sitting I have in... it. I have one. I like watching uh, Turner Classic movies on Saturday mornings. Well, since yeah, I never got one of those digital converter boxes, I still just only have one channel. See, so, okay, so, so maybe it's... watch in the morning Jerry Springer and eat my oatmeal. So, okay, so wait, so television in the bedroom, trashy or not. So the fact that Tim has a TV in the bedroom it indicates... behind closed doors. Okay, so it's shuttered. Is it in a wardrobe? So yes, it, can it, be, it can be closed, so it's hidden from view. Yes. Okay, well, see, that doesn't count, though. Yeah. I mean, but I... I didn't think I counted. No, 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 of course I've not. I've never claimed to be classy. I'm, I'm okay if it's trashy. No, 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 and I'm, and I'm trashy in lots of ways, just not in that way. And the... See, and just the fact that Tim has one indicates that it is not trashy, Tim, because you are, of course, you're, you're the hallmark of class and uh, sophistication. You're sort of the Don Draper of the uh, of the Rick Emerson show. Well, it's an old TV from the late 80s, and it would be impossible to get rid of because it, it weighs, you, you know, a as thousand much as, pounds. Yes, basically. It's one of those things that you'd, it's one of those you things. You third degree burns trying to move it. <laughs> One of those things that, like, your dad or somebody is always convinced he can sell for a few bucks that nobody really wants to buy because it's, like, furniture. And it has, like, fake-ass, fake, fake ass, like, brass handles that open nothing at the base. Well, I bought it from an engineer. I worked at, at, at uh, a radio station because he had to go to jail and sell his belongings very quickly. <laughs> Look, I'm going to need to uh, have enough money that I don't get raped. So, uh, which, would you like to buy my TV? <laughs> it's like buy enough cartons of smokes. <laughs> I need to buy some sort of a uh, pant area protector. So, uh, how much am I offered for all of my possessions? Um, what, like a chastity belt? Yes, exactly like that. So, so that doesn't count because it's covered. You know, the TV can be hidden from view. I'm talking about like you go to somebody's house, you go into the, you see their bedroom, and they've got like a dresser, and then there's just a TV sitting on the dresser. Hey, see that's uh, but the but you just said like I'm not saying you're a bad person. We all have ways in which we're trashy, except for Tim, who is flawless. But it, the, the, but that is a trashy thing. Here's one a- of my favorite things is to turn on the Trinity Broadcasting Network on a Saturday morning and watch a little. Um, what's that show called? And you're talking about the cur- woman with the purple hair. She's got the huge things yeah, the on her head. Yeah, the purple hair and also uh, that, that claymation cartoon. Oh, uh, Davy and Goliath. Davy and Goliath. Hey, oh, Davy. Yeah. Oh, it sure is. Let's go drown a witch in the old pond. <laughs> so there's there's that, and then here's the other thing that I will not allow in my house. And it's not like I'm. And it's not like I wear the pants or anything. It's not like I'm able to lay down the law. I just when Laura and I got together, I told her a couple things like right out of the gate. I said there's two things. One. I said, you may never have people sing happy birthday to me or sing to me at all in a restaurant or a public place. That if we are ever at a that, restaurant. That is embarrassing. That, no, and I told her flat out, I'm like, I, I'm like I, will, I will leave you that instant. Like, if you ever have people come sing to me in a restaurant, that is it. We're done. It doesn't matter how old I am or what ailment I might have at that point in my life. I am out. The other thing is, I, like, and so, like, I've never said anything about the TV in the bedroom. Like, that's, that's just a thing that neither of us really wants. Um, 
the one thing I said that was TV trays. I'm like, we cannot have TV trays. If, you, if, you, if I ever see you, and I don't care what you call them, I don't care what the store says they are. If you go to Kitchen Caboodle and they call them something other than TV trays, I know what a TV tray is, and I will not have those it in my house. It seems like some kind of like emotional, mental issue from like when you're younger, like oh, you're yeah. surrounded by TV trays. Oh, it doesn't seem TVs. like that. It <laughs> okay. is that. As uh, long as you're aware of that. No, because my, my family, I mean, they're just... Uh, you know, I, I get the feeling, look, I'm not saying that I'm the brightest guy on earth. I'm really not. I'm not. It's not like I'm some hallmark uh, for style and subtlety. And we don't expect it. But I do get the feeling somewhere that there's, that there's kind of an intellectual family somewhere on the East Coast that's raising a little, you know, that was, that was raising a little redneck baby uh, back in the 70s. And meanwhile, my parents, uh, you know, who were just busy eating fish sticks and grunting about hee-haw. <laughs> You know, had me. And they so, put you in a singing group, too, right? And put me, and yet my parents, who had a country western group when I was growing up and who made me sing as part of the country western group. Giddy yeah. That's <laughs> a lot like of fun. Idea. When you're like, when you're like 10 years old, there's nothing, you know, and then when you're even worse, when you're like 12 or 13, there's nothing that gets chicks, gets chicks more than telling them that you're, uh, you know, you're in a country western group and you're going to be singing Elvira at the, uh, you know, at the Kennewick Fair. Why don't you come on out? It's going to be a real hoot nanny. Jesus. So, but one of my enduring memories from childhood is just sitting there in the living room, and my mom is busy, uh, you know, making something that consists of starch and glue uh, on top of the uh, oven, and my dad is sitting there, you know, just like with one one can of that like black on white generic beer after another, hooting at whatever Ronald Reagan just said, on top of these like horrible like dollar ninety nine fake wood grain TV trays. My parents had those too, and you know, I love those things. Meanwhile, my mom is who wants tuna pinwheels, and I just remember at one point just sitting there. Just going, Jesus, God Almighty! As soon as I, I kind of have this Stewie uh, Griffith thing going on, I'm just like, as soon as I can use the car, woman. So, no TV trays, I will not have. But at least you got to sing at the Kennewick Fair. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Between the, the goat, the goat, the goat plucking and the pie baking. And to, <laughs> to this day, I know every word to that goddamn song too, to Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys. Jesus, kill me. <laughs> Freaking kill me. Okay, Rick, it's time for us to make the announcement of who the mystery guest is. All right. I'm going to take my neuroses and go stand yes, in the hallway. take a couple breaths out in the hallway. Uh, go wave me. Wave me in when you're done. <laughs> Jesus. Hi, Greg Nibbler. Hello. Okay, so we're kind of nervous about this one today. All right. Especially why why in, is that? Okay, especially in light of the news story that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the uh, Henry Louis Gates thing actually brings up a lot that has to do with this uh this particular mystery yes. guest. Yes, we had this guy booked like three weeks ago, and then uh, he had to cancel. Uh, so we had him booked, and just by coincidence, he's today. So his name is Dr. Kenneth Skelton, and he wrote a book called Why Can't They Just Get Over It? A Spiritual and Psychological Approach to Overcoming Racism in America. So this is um, an African-American man who's um, written a pretty angry book about uh, the white man. Yes, yes. yes. And it's a, it's it's awkward even just to talk about it. And alone how this is- we've also looked up... Uh, YouTube videos of him on the internet, and good lord, we're really nervous. Yeah, he's he does a lot of uh, Bible shows as well. His yes. recent uh, radio interview was on the Light, the number one station for inspiration. Okay, oh. okay, that sounds wonderful. Yes, <laughs> excellent. Sounds like fun for the whole family. It it does. Does. Great. I can, I can gather the kids around the wireless for your, this one. <laughs> your sarcasm uh, indicates that perhaps it is uh, it is not going to be a fun thing. It'll be a fun thing for you all, perhaps less so for me. Am I interviewing one of the Oak Ridge Boys? Just tell me now. Oh, I wish. Yeah. You never know. All right. Here's what. Here's if I were putting together the mystery guest. If I were you, in other words, if if I were Sarah Dillon, what I would do is I would get one of the Oak Ridge Boys, and then I would tell the Oak Ridge Boy ahead of time, Hey, you know, one of Rick's uh, big dreams in life is to sing Elvira with you. Uh, is to because that was his favorite song as a child. Be careful what you wish for, Rick. I'm see, I, but I see, I'm saying it now, so you can't do it. I'm taking that off the table. You're you're not allowed to get an Oak Ridge boy on the show to make me sing along. You sons of bitches.
All right, we'll come back after this with the mystery guest at 720. Uh, Tim Riley has more news at 740. At 8 o'clock, Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian, will be here. And uh, we return after this. You stay right there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. It's Thursday morning. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. My humor comes from watching my parents have sex, smoke weed, my mom being naked. On Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, coming up today, 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 starting at noon today, you can go to Dick Hanna Dodge at the giant Vancouver Auto Mall, and you'll be able to uh, get yourself a ticket to Crew Fest 2 for just $10. That is a $10 general admission ticket to Crew Fest 2. While supplies last, eight t- uh, ticket limit per person, please. So uh, limit yourself to eight. That is starting today at 12 p.m. Today, they're going to Dick Hanna Dodge. Tickets for Crew Fest 2, general admission tickets, just $10. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines for your edification on this Thursday. Arnold Schwarzenegger posts a startling video in which he brandishes a huge knife. And a woman is six foot six, four hundred seventy six pounds, and she will not stop growing. And a Miami man takes a five hundred pound shark on the metro system. Excellent. Okay, All right, so it look is at the paper. It is the yes. I'm opening the paper right now. This is the identity of the mystery guest. Okay, Doctor Kenneth Skelton. Doctor Kenneth Skelton. Doctor Kenneth Skelton. Yes. Okay. Okay. Doctor Rosen Rosen. Are we ready? Yes. All right. And so anyway. Then uh, Andre the Giant uh, came out of the bathroom, and as you can imagine, uh, that was uh, that was one funny birthday party. <laughs> it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program coming up uh, later on in the hour. We have uh, news with Tim Riley at eight o'clock. Oregonian music critic uh, and music editor Ryan White will be joining us. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Without further ado, uh, Doctor Kenneth Skelton. Doctor Kenneth Skelton, uh, hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am uh, fantastic. Let me ask you this, just uh, right out of the gate. As somebody who, who you know does interviews, what is the uh, what is the question you're asked most frequently? The question I'm asking most frequently: Do I believe that that uh, uh, blacks have uh, more of a problem with slavery than whites? And so your 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 take on this, your thoughts on this, are uh, are what? I think that there's enough hate to go around. I th- when I wrote the book, why they just can't get over it, it was a question and a statement: why they just can't get over it, and why they just can't get over it. And the fact that uh, black and white America has not gotten post-slavery tra- exit training, and that's why we still have the problems. Exit training is sort of a sort of an interesting phrase to use. Uh, when you say that, what is it? Uh, what do you mean? What is it? What are the? What's the? Uh, what are the specifics of that as you see it, sir? Well, the specifics of that is slave. Whatever propaganda that allowed a, a Christian nation to enslave people in the first place were never really refuted in public. Uh, they what happened was slavery ended 145 years ago, and they just let the slaves off the plantation, and nobody said it was wrong. Nobody came along and said these people are really human, and and life just went on. And whatever prejudices that people had, it was passed down from generation to generation. So you feel that there was um, the um, uh, that there is in in effect uh, uh, what doctors today would probably call a a, a post traumatic. Uh, stress disorder that lasted uh, not just for years, but really for for generations, probably up through uh, 2009, where we are now. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember old old aunt that I had. She was about 90 something years old in Huntsville, Texas, and uh, she told of stories of how mom and dad was treated during slavery, and bad stories, and 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 those pains were passed down from generation to generation. And my father was a stone racist. Uh, before I was born, because he saw his uncle hung for looking at a white woman, and 
And had not the love of God took that out of his heart and he raised me, it would pass down generationally. So I'm glad he got over that before I was born. And that's the connection. Uh, that there has not been enough dialogue to say that nobody alive today is responsible for slavery. What is the what are the the and, and maybe you've you know you've addressed some of this. What are the uh, the misconceptions or misperceptions that you find you most frequently have to uh, have to address with uh, with people? Well, one of the greatest misconceptions is that black men are considered to be um, uh, the the eternal victim. And uh, and highly dysfunctional. Whereas for every one black man that's not taking care of his family, that's probably uh, two or three hundred. That is, but they don't get the they don't get the attention that the lawless get. And so you feel that the media probably, uh, in some ways, perpetuates uh, a lot of these problems that are uh, that are plaguing America in this sense. Sure, I I, I really do um, because the media tries to sell sensationalism. You know, if it's salacious. Uh, if it's uh, if it's going to get you know more attention, then they they'll use that. But they are good men every day taking care of their families. But on the other hand, uh, nobody's saying that 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 there's not a black person or a white person alive today when slavery ended. And that's the message that we need to get out because we're passing down this hatred generationally. Well, I think we can all agree that the media using such issues for uh, for sensationalism or for uh, attention getting is a uh, you know that's a that's a problem that everybody needs to uh, needs to grapple with. Sir, the uh, the book is called "Why They Just Can't Get Over It." Dr. Kenneth uh, Skelton Senior. Uh, he earned a doctorate of ministry degree from the Houston Graduate School of Theology. And again, the book again, "Why They Just Can't Get Over It: A Spiritual and Psychological Approach to Overcoming Racism in America." Doctor, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. There you go. That's uh, Dr. Uh, Kenneth Skelton, Sr. Greg, if you want to... Uh... All right, excellent. There we go. You are a pro. Well, that took a... Uh... That took an interesting turn. He was okay. So he is this religious. He's. Does he sound? Was it, did you see that being a much different interview when he you initially does a had the conversation? Radio program not focused on slavery. <laughs> you know, the book says. Um, I think the book actually has. Uh, I think the book actually has a picture of a plantation on the front. No, it's a black man and a white man living in harmony. It's a, you know. Can I? Can, would you like to hear the description of the book? Yes. What do you suppose the first word of the book's description is? Starts with an S. Rhymes with Avery. Slavery, it says, Sarah, may have ended in 1865. Let's see. Let's skip ahead. Here's the second sentence. Slaves. Uh, third sentence. Slaves. All right. Well, no, he has. He hosts his own radio program on like you know, like something equivalent to the fish, where he talks a lot about loving people and loving each other, as it should be. <laughs> On that note, ladies and gentlemen, straight ahead, we have news from Tim Riley at 8 o'clock. Oregonian music editor Ryan White will join us in the studio. We will continue our uh, quest for the definitive American band. He's also going to be bringing with him a top five. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Show. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday morning. You stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. What's next? Are people going to start having sex with ducks? When can that start? Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-228-4101. Before we transition to the uh, news segment with Tim Riley, 
We should also note that uh, coming up at uh, 8 a.m., ladies and gentlemen, coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to Ryan White, who is the music editor for The Oregonian. Uh, we have a top five coming up today at 8.20, and sometime before the top of the hour here, we're going to give away a pair of passes to see the new Judd Apatow film, uh, which is Funny People, the KUFO premiere. That is next Monday, the uh, 27th. Uh, that is next Monday, the 27th. And so we'll have a pair of passes to see Funny People and the new Judd Apatow film starring Seth Rogen and Adam Sandler. Uh, that's going to be sometime before 8 o'clock. Um, so we just had this uh, mystery guest segment. Let's have no illusions about this. I'll, I'll give you awkward. I'll, uh, I'll certainly grant that it was uh, uncomfortable at moments. And let me, let me tell you this. So, me, just if I were to ask you. I think you'd get a job at C-SPAN after that one. What, what did you think It's supposed to be about racism in America. Look, the, the title is that's less awkward. A Spiritual and Psychological Approach to Overcoming Racism in America. It was educational. But I mean. Greg and I researched this guy. He has his own radio show on this like Christian broadcasting network where he talks about loving you know everybody and everything, and not so much. As it should. That was going to be my question: Is what did hanging. you what did you anticipate him saying to me? He, I anticipated him talking about racism in America, just talking about you know. Well, he certainly and, did that. No, what he did is told us like a really you know terrible story. Not the not the happy side of racism that you were hoping for. No, because he is very uplifting in his book. I failed. <laughs> I felt a bit uplifted. <laughs> Greg, Greg, back me up. We did research, right? We did research. We we did do some research. Uh, yes, unfortunately, perhaps we should have gone with. Was another. the research just? Uh, was the research and then the, it yeah, was I, exhaustive? We even looked at YouTube videos of him, and he's just we, like you know, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, and like. Was really there was there any research done on this by somebody who wasn't white? All right, at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the CBS News Center. It is now 743. It's going to be a little bit cooler today. Highs only in the low 80s. But keep in mind, it's going to hit 100 degrees, if not more, by Sunday. So a 24-year-old woman is calling police in Albany, saying she's being harassed by her neighbors for having sex with a 13-year-old boy. And doesn't know why. Police arrested Arlene Cheryl Curio on multiple sex offenders. She met the boy in uh, downtown Albany, invited him over, and applied the boy with alcohol, and then you know what happened. Ew. Uh, she later called police, claiming neighbors were harassing her about having sex with the boy. So she wasn't... So in other she words, was having sex with the boy. So these are not... I mean, I guess she hasn't been convicted or anything, but no. this is not a thing that is just a false allegation. These, these this are is, allegations. Yeah, but... but in other words, she has not contradicted the claim that she is having relations. She just wishes the neighbors would let them alone to have their secret forbidden love. Mm-hmm. All right. And the boy said he really didn't know what he was doing, so he didn't know what it would be called, basically. He's 13 years old. Yeah. Or so he claims. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is stepping forward, saying she has a lot in common with Michael Jackson. She's uh, battling her own addiction to painkillers after cosmetic surgery. The 50-year-old Curtis writes that morphine became a warm bath for which to escape painful reality. She does not disclose the timetable of her addiction. What is the painful reality from which Jamie Lee Curtis has to escape? Is it the part where she's uh, married to uh, a guy who's actually a duke? Or is it the, uh, is it the part where she's uh, fantastically wealthy? I don't know. But she says she believes the uh, pop star was an addict and wanted to relieve his pain because of all his cosmetic surgery. I mean, the thing about Michael Jackson is uh, you could at least make the argument that he was that he had actual real problems that he might want to distract himself from, like the fact that he was apparently missing a nose. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's certainly something that'll, uh, that'll give you a little bit of stress when you wake up in the morning. So that's that. Uh, time for a Taser Watch from Boise. Here's your Taser Watch Boise edition for Thursday on the Rick Emerson radio program.
Jersey cops are being disciplined for serious policy violations after a complaint was filed that officers used excessive force against this fellow. Uh, the use of force was after the man was handcuffed and it was in a most sensitive private area, accompanied by threats. He was handcuffed in a most sensitive private area? Uh, well, th- this uh, violation apparently did. The suspect can be heard uh, ple- pleading with police several times that he couldn't breathe when officers were on top of him. I can't breathe. Just let me up. I want to breathe. The officer quickly replied, if you're talking, you're breathing. <laughs> then the officer wow, uses snap. offensive language. <laughs> then he says, if you move again, I'm going to stick this taser up your... And then he uses the... Wow. Jesus. That's a phrase you don't want to hear. That pretty much says it all. I... Really, what is there to add to that? You would think that cops at this point would, whatever the realities of the situation, whether or not the guy had it coming, did we know what the guy was charged with? I mean, was, no, what was the reason here. they had initially restrained him? It was a fight him? between a man and a woman. All right. Well, first of all, when the cops show up, just quit moving. Just quit moving. Quit scrabbling around. I don't care if you're guilty of anything or not. I don't care if you, it'll all sort itself out. When the guy has the taser uh, and he is threatening so I, to. I guess he did a couple of other times. And it didn't work, so they decided, well, here's one area where it probably might work. So maybe they escalated to that, like they tased the face, and that didn't quite have the desired result. Good God. But I, but cops are on film. You would think that they would know this. In 2009, everything you do as a cop is going to end up being videotaped. Hey, speaking of which, and we bring this up, I don't know, probably once a month now, whatever happened to that thing in Oakland where the cop just shot that guy in the back of the head? Oh, that's been long forgotten. It was weird because it was caught on like five different cell cameras, mm-hmm. and it was all over the television. Uh, and it happened right outside the BART, which is their sort of their light rail system. As where this guy was handcuffed, face down, and one of the cops just shot him in the back of the head for what looked to be uh, like no reason at all. It was all over the news for like a day and a half, and then it just sort of vanished. All right, because we're busy uh, talking about this story. So the, do we know if he was in fact tased in, in that part of his body? Or did that threat sufficiently subdue him, do you think? Well, let's see. I can't believe that if I move again, we're going to tell If you move again. Yes. I don't yes, think. they did. Okay, see, because I don't. I, and that worked. That that seems like a bit of an empty threat to me anyway, because it, as opposed to a stun gun. Which this you was can, the third tasing. See, hmm. it, there's something wrong with either the taser or the person at that point. Because I was to understand that if you were tased, it was just sort of a, where you, you weren't able to move much well, anymore. Well, I guess that. You know, each of these tasings is on a different page of the rule book. If number one doesn't work, flip the page. If number two doesn't work, flip the page. Final, final page, the buttocks. It's like the, it's like the, uh, the choose-your-own-adventure of Boise law enforcement. All right, there's your taser watch taser. for Thursday on The Rick Emerson Show. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley at the news desk. Uh, the mother of Anderson Cooper, socialite Gloria Vanderbilt, has just published a racy new book. It tells in uh, Torah detail all of her lovemaking sessions. Uh, one of them uh, concerns Marlon Brando, who Gloria Vanderbilt says was uh, boring. Let's see here. Marlon Brando, of course, was the man of the moment and such a great actor and so handsome and so mysterious and really so boring, you know. But he was so... Boring? Yeah, you know, he really, uh, he projected such inner turmoil or sensitivity, and I don't really think he was that sensitive. How old is Gloria Vanderbilt at this point? Oh, jeez, I don't know. I mean, she's... she's, I need to see what she looks like. I can't picture her. She's a woman of substantial age, I think, at this this juncture. Uh, This is... uh, She would pick your eyes out. (laughs) 
Yes, yeah, she would, Tim. The my tasty, tasty eyes. So this is uh, Anderson Cooper, who is uh, he is uh, Gloria Vanderbilt's son. So this is Anderson Cooper talking to Larry King. This is when Larry King was on AC360. He was pimping that book of his, which seems to have vanished without a trace. So we have uh, Larry King talking to Anderson Cooper. Let, let me run down some of the names and and just you give me their immediate immediate type immediate response. Frank Sinatra, larger than life, vastly important, and every essence of what you want in a good interview. Hillary Clinton, smart as a whip, funny, and incredible. Come should come across more. Great sense of humor. Marlon Brando. <laughs> Well, Is he the only guy you kissed on there? Yeah, he kissed me, and I, I, went, <laughs> okay. and I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> Brando was a piece of work. My mom dated him briefly. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a date. I think it was like a one-night date. Anyway, well, I digress. He, um, he would have loved your mom. <laughs> well, I think he did. So uh, awkward. Wow. I just I cannot imagine going uh, going on television discussing the fact that my mother had intercourse with uh, with Marlon Brando. That's not a thing that I see myself doing at any point in the uh, in the future. I don't think he came anywhere near Kennewick anyway. No, probably not, Tim. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. A woman suffered from a rare disease. Now, she stands six foot six inches tall, weighs 476 pounds, and will not stop growing. They tried everything. Uh, originally, she stood five foot 11, weighed just 114 pounds, but her height and weight soon started to spiral out of control. So what to do? Doctors took a peek into her brain. And they found uh, something the size of a grapefruit, a tumor that wrapped itself around her inner cardioid artery. Now, this causes an overproduction of growth hormones, and it's making her bigger and bigger. Did you ever notice that a grapefruit is only used to describe tumors? There's nothing... A grape, There's no happy just, grapefruit. There, there is no relative size comparison uh, for which they use a grapefruit that is not something you don't want. Nobody ever says, and I found a pile of cash the size of a grapefruit. Well, this grapefruit's making her bigger. I the, Or, you know... Uh, or, no, maybe, like, can't boobs be referenced? Yeah, but see, I don't ever hear that. I've never heard a, I've never heard a woman's... Well, I guess you hear uh, cantaloupes. I, I guess, maybe. I suppose Melons? if you're hanging out with a guy who spends a lot of time listening to KGON. <laughs> the, uh, I don't really ever hear that. The only time I hear group, uh, grapefruit uh, it used, it's always when they're describing a tumor in some part of your body where the, where the tumor is going to be especially lethal. Very awkward thing. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we will uh, take a break. Oh, those lazy French never want to work. Now French factory workers, angry over layoffs and cost cuts, have locked up their bosses at the Michelin Tire Plant and the U.S.-owned cigarette paper mill in a new eruption of boss nappings. The auto and auto parts industries have been hit hard by cutbacks and a backlash by the French workers during the country's worst recession in decades. So about 50 workers of the Michelin plant in eastern France locked up four managers, including a director. The managers were released early today from regional offices after they promised to mediate. As tensions peak, workers caused considerable damage to a building, breaking windows, damaging bathrooms. And uh, apparently these boss nappings and locked them up are common in France. Well, it's sort of a Bastille Day kind of a thing. You're allowed to, uh, I, think you're, I think you're given, uh, when you go to work there, you're given one storming that just sort of comes as part of your contract. It's like having a vacation day. All right, we come back, we'll talk to Ryan White, who's the music editor for The Oregonian. We're going to talk about the search for the definitive American band and the uh, 20-year anniversary of Dr. Feelgood, which will be performed by Motley Crue in its entirety as part of Crew Fest 2, for which we have tickets sometime before the end of the show. Keep listening. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. Live.
live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsicality. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up in just a moment, we will welcome to the show Ryan White, music editor from The Oregonian. Uh, coming up at 820, we'll have today's top five. Ryan has brought with him a top five. The uh, top five songs... And I believe these are your, I, I think this is the way he phrased it, the top five songs that it would be unbelievably righteous to cover were you in a band that was uh, uh, that was uh, bringing it live, as the young people say. Tim Riley, what are the headlines we're following on this Thursday morning? A popular Mexican dog is dead. Obama talks about his uh, medical plans. And a Seattle bicyclist is shot in the posterior with darts. You say, now, was it like a four-inch dart? Yeah. So this wasn't like a... I mean, it wasn't like a, it was like a like a dart that was fired from a gun of some kind. Like wasn't like a like a some Gilligan's Island blow dart thing. That. We don't know that. All right, it's you know still what? being investigated. When I was living in Washington some years ago, there was this uh, this kind of rash of I don't even know what you would call them. It was a guy who had rigged up a sort of air gun, air cannon thing that was mounted on the back of his car and it was aimed to the right. So essentially what he would do is he would just, he would pass bicyclists on the left so they were on his right and he would fire this highly compressed blast of air at them, which in some cases would just sort of blow them clean off uh, the bicycle. It was bizarre. Well, because, especially because bicyclists would sort of report this, and then they, you know you'd never find it. It's not like with you know dart where you're going to pull a dart out of some guy's thigh and figure out that there's uh, something amok. Um, so they were. They, I think it took I don't know probably six or seven incidents for them to even sort of believe that there was actually uh, something happening. At some point before the end of the hour, we're going to give away a pair of tickets to see the new Judd Apatow film as well, uh, which is Funny People. Uh, it actually uh, is next Monday the premiere for that. And don't forget, starting today at noon. At Dick Hanna Dodge, you'll be able to pick yourself up a ticket to Crew Fest 2, a general admission ticket for $10. While supplies last, limit eight, please, but that starts today at noon. At Dick Hanna Dodge, while supplies last, you can get yourself a Crew Fest 2 ticket uh, for just $10. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Oregonian Music Editor, Ryan White. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am uh, I'm fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing the top five. I've taken just the smallest bit of sneak peeks here. Now, are these, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk more about this uh, at uh, 20 after when we do the uh, top five, but is this... Are these songs that you yourself uh, would want to perform, the covers that you, you would want to perform if you were playing live somewhere? Yes, if I had a band, and if that band could, as you said, bring it, and I would hope that if I had a band, that that band could indeed bring it. Do you have a band? I do not have a band. Did you have a band at some point in the recent past? I have never had a band. I You're am a music editor. Isn't it like a rule that you have to have been in three or four different bands? I am a basement strummer <laughs> while sitting in front of my television and having all the windows closed while singing. Uh, in fact, my wife shuts multiple doors when I start singing, and if I break out the harmonica, it gets really, really... If you were to have a band, really what would they sound like? What band would your band bear the most similarity to musically? I think I'm a huge Springsteen dork, so it would probably be something like that. It would be a, a really good bar band. So that's a, actually a great way to segue into one of the things we're going to talk about today, which is the, we discussed this a little bit last week. That you were on this quest to find the definitive American band, the definitive American music artist. And so we went a little bit back and forth about this, and I think somebody, I think Greg Nibbler mentioned uh, John Fogarty slash Creedence Clearwater Revival. I made the case for Kiss. What is the band that is that you've heard the strongest argument put forward for? The best argument was you for Kiss. Well, I mean, anytime you... Uh, it, that's, it, that goes without saying, oh, Ryan. Don't play it I know. I, I don't want to do <laughs> that's it. That's just but, a given, my friend. But I went back to the office and I was telling people about your whole you can see them from space thing. They are and, big and loud and gaudy and you can't miss them. And they're obvious yet subtle. Uh, they are original yet a distillation of all things from our culture. They are an embodiment of things from other cultures. Uh, they're a band at least partially uh, made up of, uh, of immigrants who came here not speaking a word and now are fluent in not only the language but the international language of finance and currency. 
So, I mean, really, I'm just saying, there's no... You need to write a book about Kiss or something. No, and I have this... The international currency of action figures <laughs> and, <laughs> and lunchboxes I mean, and thermoses. We, we had this story like three weeks ago that there are now, you can buy now Gene Simmons... I mean, it sounds like a joke. Gene Simmons urinal cakes, which is, I mean, the sort of thing that any that any man with any appreciable degree of shame in his body would be horrified by. But, of course, Gene Simmons had his shame extracted surgically at birth. And so there just is, there is no level to which he will not stoop, which in a way, to use a Star Trek analogy, he sort of slingshots around, a sun, around the sun and just becomes great again. Are they still going to do that? I, I remember reading last year that they were going to do a reality show to find the new members of KISS. Dude, I, I think I have the audio, actually, where, uh, where we discussed this, because here's the weird thing about that. The weird thing about the KISS reality show is that if you ask Paul and you ask Gene, you get two entirely different answers. Because I get the feeling that Paul is sort of horrified by it and that Gene isn't. Let's see. Uh, where is my... I've got lots of... Um, let's see. Brush never rock this hard. Sorry, that's different. That's a different... I think that's the... You have a very large kiss folder over I there do. on that I, computer, don't you? This is... This is. Do you remember when they put out tooth tunes about a year and a half ago and it's mm-hmm. a toothbrush? You press oh, the button. Oh, I have one. Plays rock and roll all, uh, all night right through your molars. Tooth tunes. The only toothbrush that puts two minutes of music in your mouth. And featuring rock and roll all night from the new DVD collection by Kiss. Tooth tunes. Brush never rock this hard. Tooth tunes. Each sold separately. Sound will very well brushing. All I think about there is when Ken Griffey Jr. was on The Simpsons and they gave him the fizzy drink or whatever and he says... It's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. The best part about that commercial is that it is Paul Stanley, but it's very clearly not Gene Simmons. It's sort of like when you watch Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, and Ace Fraley is, at certain moments, very obviously being played by a large black man in makeup. And you, and you kind of go, well, okay. And you sort of go with it, because Kiss is all of us. Um, well, don't you think Gene is a smart enough businessman at this point to know what is worth his time and what oh, is yeah, not? No. I mean, he made more money by hiring somebody to go do that voice work for him than... Seriously, look, I'm going to send somebody there, and they're going to put on the makeup, and meanwhile I will be at home having sex with a model on a pile of $1,000 bills. What would you do? If you watch that Tooth Tunes commercial, Paul is really selling it, too, because he doesn't have... like the He only has overdrive. That is the only gear that Paul Stanley has. Because everything he does, you know, you know, Paul, how are you? People, I am splendiferous, you know, and then he just, you know, and then the explosions happen. So this is the audio of Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley being interviewed, I think, uh, being interviewed about this Kiss reality show. And the theory was that they would have a reality show like American Idol to audition replacement members for Kiss, which, by the way, is a thing that I predicted, not the reality reality show element, but I predicted long ago that they would phase in new members. They should just do like the Globetrotters and have two or three kisses touring around the world at all times. From your mouth to Gene's ear to Gene's accountant. I want to get into the subject that you... This is a Swedish program interviewing them. Now, here's, here's the thing. When you listen, listen to how Gene, without hesitation, says, yes, it's on board, it's happening now. And when they ask Paul, he's very sort of reticent about the whole thing because I think Paul actually can be embarrassed as opposed to Gene. I want to get into the subject that you say that Kiss can continue without you. So at some point, will we see a Kiss idol like American Idol? The answer is yes. You, you got an idea for me now that you use? Well, the deal, is, <laughs> the deal has just been signed. There is no signed deal. You know, it, so that's Paul in a different room. You know, again, it it's... When we're both asked the same question, sometimes you get different answers. Is it true? Yes. You're doing a kiss idol? Yes. Could, could you tell about it? No. <laughs> Just a little bit? It'll, it's coming soon. 
what will happen, we'll we'll see as we go along. But um, is something going to happen next week? Is there something signed? No. But am I opposed to the idea of going out and trying to find, you know, um, new Kiss members? through the television? Of course not. I believe that KISS can go This is Doc McGee, their manager. Ever. I believe that there is a way, and we are talking to people, and we're pretty close to getting it done, about finding the four new members of KISS. So Doc McGee is on board because he, you know, he wants his 12%. Gene, absolutely, the deal has been done, it's inked, it's signed, we're good to go. And Paul is the one who just sort of seems to be looking at the floor, kind of going, oh, God, Short, Shortly thereafter, a, a lawyer accompanied by a very large man walked up to... Paul Stanley yeah. and the Paul took care of that. And we need you to sign this, and could you please? Uh, we need your things to be out of the kiss office by five o'clock today. Uh, here, and I'm going to make one final note. We'll talk uh, a bit about Motley Crue because I know you have some thoughts on Doctor Feelgood. We have the top five coming up, but I will say that the moment when it became clear to me that Kiss was going to replace everybody eventually with new members that would tour forever, I saw Kiss and Poison a couple, which is an unbelievably great show. Uh, Sarah was there, actually. You were there. You were on the Jumbotron at the end, right? I was. Delane and I, actually, our faces were so on. You were, like, the third row or something? And you, you were right there on the it big was, screen at the end at Rock and Roll All awesome. Night? It was awesome. Yeah, Delane and I, you know, had our giant beers, and we're like, woo singing, and then all of a sudden, look, and there are giant faces. It was right at the big finale when there's, like, the million pounds of confetti coming down. But Paul had done this rap uh, where he's, you know, he, you know, um, young people! And he said, you know, Kiss was here for your parents. Kiss was here for your older brothers and sisters, young people. Kiss will be here for you. <sighs> and at that moment, it was like, I felt like uh, I felt like Joliet Jake and the Blues Brothers, where the golden beam of sunlight comes into the church, and I suddenly was imbued with a higher knowledge, and I went, my God, it's all so clear to me now. And at that instant, I knew that what would happen is, like the, uh, like the superhero, the Phantom, they would pass down their makeup and their costumes to a new generation who would then pick up the superhero mantle and they would play on as Kiss and then it would never end. And then they would just become truly sort of, you know, mythological uh, beings. Um, speaking of Clark County uh, Amphitheater, before we uh, break here and then we'll come back with the top five. So Crewfest 2 is coming up next Tuesday and I was talking to uh, Sarah's friend Lisa about this. Her friend was a gog that I had never seen Motley Crue, and I said, "She is so excited." Have you ever seen Lisa more excited for anything? I haven't, and I have yeah. to tell you that I've missed Motley Crue by like this much three different times. Uh, I was supposed to see them on the Doctor Feelgood tour. I missed them on the self-titled tour, and then they did some other tour a couple years ago. I didn't get to see either. And it's like something always comes up at the last moment. Um, but you uh, just uh, you wrote a piece about the the reissue of Doctor Feelgood. And it's still sitting in the computer. Actually, it hasn't actually gone anywhere yet. There's a theoretical piece about Dr. There Feelgood, theoretically but that was the first show you ever saw. Yes, 1980... 90, 90 or 91 it would have been. No, yeah, you're right, 91. Dr. Feelgood tour at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. I remember just an obscenely loud and wonderful rock show. Ted Nugent came out at the end and they jammed Jailhouse Rock where Vince Neil and Nikki Six just went down and sat on the side of the stage while Nugent and Mick Mars played guitar for like 20 minutes. That's fantastic. And, you know, the, the, it, oddly, the one thing that still stands out is walking down the Detroit Riverfront in like January. It's just bitter cold and there was one of those construction one of those construction sheds that sit over a sidewalk so you don't get hit in the head with falling beams and stuff as you're walking down the sidewalk and at the far end of it there was a guy who was passed out shirtless and a friend was either taking his shoe off 
or putting his shoe on, and I'll never know which one it was. I hope it was I hope it was a guy who was helping him get his shoe back on and not somebody who was stealing his shoes and somebody had already stolen his shirt. But either way, you were on a mission to rock and couldn't be bothered. Either, either way, my, my uncle was taking me to see Motley Crue. Who was the opener? Warrant. 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 For the on, win. On Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich. Yeah. Heaven was like really, really big at that point. Excellent. And so was the was the crew show everything you thought it was going to be? Oh, it was great. Even from the, you know, almost behind the stage, which actually gave, gave you know, this, the young me, a very straight on look at one of their uh, backup singers in the nurse's outfit. Nasty Habits. Such. Yes. The name of the backup singers. Excellent. We're talking uh, to Ryan White. He's the music editor for The Oregonian. We come back. We'll count down Ryan's top five songs uh, that he himself would perform as cover of. Uh, the top five songs he would cover if he were in a band. So that is a straight ahead. We'll talk more about what's coming up in the Oregonian. Stay right there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Thursday morning. We return momentarily, my friends. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. Greetings, Optimus Prime. <laughs> I am Mega Chest. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We're here with Oregonian music editor Ryan White. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, coming up today at noon, starting today at noon, Dick Hanna Dodge at the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. You're going to be able to pick yourself up a ticket to Crew Fest 2 for just $10. General admission tickets while supplies last. Eight ticket limit per person, please. $10 will get you a ticket to Crew Fest 2. Uh, and Crew Fest 2 is next Tuesday. You can find out more at KUFO.com, but you can pick yourself up a ticket today for just $10. Dick Hanna Dodge at the giant Vancouver Auto Mall starting today at noon while supplies last. All right, so without further ado, uh, your top five today is the top five songs that Oregonian music editor Ryan White believes every band ought to cover. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, will you please count down today's top five? Yes, I will. Honorable mention goes to Eagles of Death Metal from Stuck in the Metal with You. First of all, the Eagles of Death Metal, you have to admit that they have one of the greatest names. I mean, really, the last 15 years or so. Easy. This is a song, I can see why this is on the list. This is a song that crosses all kinds of cultural lines. Yeah. You know, largely because of the Tarantino thing. This is one that's going to get people, and I've seen it, you know, I've see, having seen them play it. This is the one that gets everybody up and bouncing, and, you know, when you drive it around with a couple of more guitars live and just pounding on the drums. Because probably anybody under the age of 60 knows this song yeah. for one reason or another. Did we find out that this actually was written by Bob Dylan? Was that a thing that we discerned to be true? I thought that was the case. I don't know, though. I don't believe that it is. See, and I, but see now I want to say that I was once like you. I, I want to say that I actually said that last time, and then somebody sent us like the publishing credits, and it in fact was written by Dylan, but never performed by Dylan. And it was one of those like Mott the Hoople things, where like Bowie wrote a song and gave it to them. Oh, see, now i got to go look it up all over again. I'm trapped in my own personal Groundhog Day. These are the uh, top five songs that Oregonian music editor Ryan White believes every band ought to cover. Tim? All righty. Number five is Run DMC, Tougher Than Leather. Unbelievable. Grandma like a 
Has anybody ever covered Tougher Than Lover? No, which is why this isn't a cover version. I don't I don't think anybody covers rap. I mean, there, are there any rap covers? The only thing, and I don't know that it really counts, is, and it doesn't count because Reverend Run was there uh, at Rockfest last year. Kid Rock played a whole, he played a whole kind of a medley of Run DMC songs, but but Run was there, so that doesn't really count as a cover, I guess, because somebody from the original group was there. Kid Rock doing that makes a lot of sense, too. I think the only people who cover rap songs are probably rock bands. I'm trying to remember if I've seen the last time I saw a rock band that was an Anthrax cover a rap song. And really nothing is coming to mind. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. Written but, by Jerry Rafferty. Stuck in the middle with you. No, that's wrong. That's just, no, see, that's that's just untrue. I can tell you right now, Jerry Rafferty didn't write that. It's from Rhapsody. God, what a great song this is, though. Just talk for a minute about Tougher, uh, Tougher Than Leather and from the album of the same name. And this is what an amazing song this is. And has all those great, I don't know if this was still when they were being produced by Rick Rubin, but it has all of those great stripped down and yen, and then blown up musical elements. This is one, like, I had it on the, had the iPod on shuffle a couple weeks ago mowing the lawn and then just listened to this like five times in a row when it came up. <laughs> Thinking, I am the most badass lawn mowing guy who has ever lived. Oregonian music editor Ryan White. These are the top five songs he believes every band should cover. Tim, number four? Number four, The Pogues, Honky Tonk Woman. So this is The Pogues, of course, covering the classic Rolling Stones song. I almost put the Stones live version off this from uh, Get Your Yaya's Out, but I wanted to try and stick with covers of covers. So what do you think makes the song so definitive? This would actually, if we were doing a list of my all-time greatest jukebox songs, this would be number one without question. I just think this is a great song that, again, gets, you know, the, the, from that first cowbell moment, just drives everybody. Everybody recognizes that cowbell, gets up, and goes. It's got a little bit of sleaze and a little bit of groove and... I will, uh, someday, I don't have time to do it now, but someday I'll tell you a story about me and the song Honky Tonk Women, uh, which I heard at a very young age, and I, I, I didn't know what some of the lyrics meant, but I knew they were dirty. That line when he says, um... She blew my nose and then she blew my mind. And I didn't know what either of those things meant. And years later I went, oh, it's a sex thing. This is the only song that I've ever done at karaoke from hell down at Dante's. And I got up there really, really nervous. And then as soon as you hear that cowbell, I just started doing that Jagger strut across the stage. Like, arms out. and Awesome. Uh, oh, somebody pointed out that Rage Against the Machine covered uh, Renegades of Funk by Africa Bambata. All right, fair enough. Uh, thank you, uh, Greg. These are uh, uh, the top five songs that Oregonian music editor Ryan White believes every band should cover. Tim, number three. Number three, Warren Zevon and Gunslinger. I don't think I know this song. Bo Diddley is a gunslinger. It's just one of Bo Diddley's 75 or 80 songs with the Bo Diddley beat. And Find yourself a niche and hammer it until you die. But again, that beat does a lot live. There's then, this. Go ahead. Well, then you've got, you know, in this version, you've got Warren Zevon's, you know, one of his brief sober periods in the uh, in the '80s, kind of at the height of his powers, with these just shouts and really primal and cool. There's a story about Bo Diddley playing one of those teenage package shows, like one of those, you know, the Playtone Galaxy of Stars kind of things. And he was on about halfway through, and Bo Diddley and his group ran out of songs to play. They had like four or five songs. They ran out, and the kids wouldn't let them leave. It was like the kids demanded they come back. And so they just went into that chunk dunk 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 and they basically just did an instrumental version of that for like 35 minutes until the kids, 
and the, the way I heard the story is the kids just started ripping the seats out, and the management just turned off the power. And as they put it late, they go, there's some evil juju in that music. We had to turn it off, which is sort of great, you know? The idea that they, it was just considered so just primal and affecting that they just had to cut the power because they were afraid it was just going to destroy the place. And I could almost listen to this for 35 straight minutes and just be better and better. You and me both. You're a good person, Ryan. Why'd I like you? All right. Uh, these are Oregon, uh, Oregonian music uh, editor Ryan White's top five songs he believes every band should cover. Tim? Number two, Springsteen, Detroit Medley. Oh, by the way, somebody's not pointed out the Bloodhound Gang covered it's tricky. Ooh. And didn't uh, some group of boy, uh, covered Boys in the Hood? Well, that's been covered sort of wackily by yeah. like Dynamite Hack did that. And in fact, so did what's her name? Nina Gordon from uh, Veruca Salt did that too, I think. You know, this is what I love about like technology in media now. Like, if I have a question, I put it on the blog and I get answers. You guys immediately. The power of distributed computing. Yes. It's wonderful. I was talking to somebody the other day about Springsteen, and I was saying that I'm going to create a top five list of my music moments, which is not whole songs necessarily, but a moment in a song where you go, oh, that's such a great moment right there. And uh, that sequence at the end of Born to Run, where there's that staccato descending, dun, 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 and then the swirling orchestra, and you hear him kind of shouting that one, two, three, four above the din. I'm not a massive Springsteen fan, but I'll tell you, just really, if you made the argument to me that he's the great American songsmith, there's not a lot I can say about that. I uh, I was up in Seattle last year when he played here at the uh, right in the front row and I, or near the front row, and when they got to that part where it builds back up and he yeah. kind of arms up, everybody touches the guitar. I was like, I gotta go. Yeah. My right hand got the guitar. <laughs> awesome. All right, these are the top five songs that Oregonian music editor Ryan White believes every band should cover. Tim? Number one, The Rolling Stones and Little Queenie. Chuck Berry. Little Queenie's a great song. One of the sort of, un, not unknown, but lesser known, perhaps, Chuck Berry songs. And just, you know, I've never heard this played live by anybody where it wasn't a great moment right. in the show. I mean, it's just one of those grooves and... Now, there's a great version, actually, of Springsteen on a, at a show back in the, the late 70s where there was a bomb scare in Milwaukee, and everybody had to leave the arena, and they came back at about midnight and played a second set, and they the band had gone to the bar at the hotel, clearly, and it's the one time where you can hear Bruce really loose on stage, and they do about a 10-minute version of this that is amazing. It's hard to ruin Chuck Berry. All right, what is uh, coming up in the Oregonian, sir? A uh, bunch of coverage on the Pickathon next week, which is out at uh, kind of the Indie Roots Music Festival. And this weekend, uh, a lot of blog work on PDX Pop Now out at Rotour. Excellent. Read him in print in the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. He's music editor Ryan White. Back after this with news from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show live from Portland. Don't go anywhere. Pick up the phone and call. Really, Oprah, get the phone out of your mouth. 1-800-344-KUFO. Her body is just made out of squares and fat. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, it's a tongue. Where you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Sex me. Listen online, live or via podcast at KUFO.com. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, your personal uh, savior, fashionably attired as always, dapper and informative, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the CBS News Center. It is 847. It's only going to be the low 80s today, but don't let that trick you. It could get up to 100 degrees or more by Sunday. 
Okay, listen up, all you kids. Here's something to ruin your summer. Vancouver Lake is close. We're swimming due to E. coli and algae. That means feces, doesn't it, when you say E. coli? Isn't that code for Pretty feces? Yes. They close it every year. You'd think they would just close it permanently. It's a filthy place to swim, kids. Don't let any of that water get in your mouth. You'll vomit. Which Where is that lake? Is that the one on the side of the highway? <laughs> oh, my God. It's not just that it'll make you vaguely ill or it could be unhealthy in some way. You will, in fact, vomit repeatedly. Projectile vomit. Yes. Chunky vomit. Here's Tim Riley. Seven shootings in seven days. The hot summer nights of gangbang shooting are keeping the cops busy. The latest incident happened last night at the park at Northeast 141st. Four teens were arrested, two guns snatched from their mitts. Nobody was hitting the gunfire. More crime of the suburbs. A woman collecting money for cats has been arrested. 51-year-old Jane Slackenacker was collecting money door-to-door, posing as a <laughs> member of the cat adoption team. She is not. The cops say she was selfishly pocketing the money for herself. What was her name? Knickerbocker? Uh, Slackenacker. Uh, Slackenacker. Snicky, snacky, wacky, cracky. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea, by the way, that part of Northeast was closed for, quote, a gangbang shooting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Explains all the curtains I saw everywhere. Vandals have slashed 27 tires, shattering windows of cars belonging to the Multnomah County Department of Community Justice. You, the taxpayer, will be saddled with a repair bill. Thanks a lot, you guys. There is uh, no security with these cars apart. You'd think they would know better. Snuffwatch. Oh, here's your uh, snuffwatch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's Tim Riley with your snuff watch for Friday. The voice of a famous Mexican dog is silent. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Yes, Gidget, the Chihuahua, has died at the age of 15. She was a Taco Bell dog. Yes, she's actually a she. Uh, but she talked like a guy dog. She became a pop culture icon during her stint as Taco Bell's spokes dog. But after a few commercials, her tenure with the restaurant ended. Afterwards, she ended up with a few cameos, including a commercial for Trivial Pursuit. And a role in Legally Blonde 2. Let's hear her one more time, speaking as a male Mexican dog. Yo quiero Taco Bell. She was very versatile. Would you say, and what was uh, what was the dog's real name? Uh, the dog's uh, real name was... Sheba? Um, uh, Gidget. Gidget? Gidget. Gidget. Uh, all right, so can anybody name the, uh, please not a name, uh, two other celebrity spokes dogs. Go. Um, the Budweiser dog. Uh, Spuds McKenzie. Yes. Yeah, well done, Tim Riley. I don't think the the uh, Budweiser Dalmatians have names. There are two of them that travel in two different shows. And, you know, actually... And they stay in swank hotels. Do they really? Yeah, I, I talked to the handlers. I wonder, do the Clydesdales get such similarly uh, plush accommodations? They get uh, very nice hay areas with clean hay every day. All right. Clean hay every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, they live well. And actually, having said Spuds McKenzie, I, there may not be yeah, two. Like, what other celebrity dog is there? Last you know, there's the, uh, well, but the, the last year doesn't count. Celebrity first, Spokes dog second. There's that RCA dog. I want to know, what's the story with the dog? Nipper. And the, the Nipper, really? Nipper. That's the dog, that his master's voice yes. dog? Who did that belong to? Do we know? Oh, I don't know for sure. I, I think it was a creation of somebody way back when. So it's not a not a real dog. I don't though. believe so. It wasn't like David Sarnoff's dog or something. No, mm. I don't think he permit that. All right, there. There you go. There's your snuff watch. I was gonna make like a Yoki Arrow joke, but it's it's too soon. All right, we'll do uh, one more here, and then we'll uh, bring the curtain down on this whole uh, state of affairs.
Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, uh, well, spooking people. Apparently he made a Twitter video, and he's waving a knife around. And he's holding a large knife, and then he says in the video, You guys, I just wanted to say thanks so much for the great ideas you were giving me. I mean, we talked about making some cuts in the budget, getting rid of state cars. Then all of a sudden you come up with a great idea. Why not sign the cars since you're, well, a celebrity governor? So, so this the cars is, they get rid of, he is uh, autographing. But he, but he's but he's talking about this while waving a knife at the camera? A dagger. Okay, then. Well, look, I mean, the last time he was on the news is because they were having to basically pay people with Monopoly uh, money. I sort of that. IOUs that were hastily scrolled on the backs of uh, grocery receipts. So I think anything is a step forward for that guy. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include uh, Aaron Duran, who will bring us The Week in Geek, and Dax Holt from TMZ. Uh, let's see, before we do anything else, uh, two little bits of business here. One, don't forget, coming up in just, uh, I don't know, about a little over three hours, starting today at noon at Dick Hanna Dodge at the Giant Vancouver Auto Mall, you're going to be able to pick yourself up a ticket to uh, Crew Fest 2, uh, which is uh, featuring, of course, Motley Crew, as well as Godsmack, uh, Theory of a Dead Man, Drowning Pool, and Charm City Devils. That show is next Tuesday, but today at noon, starting at noon today while supplies last, Dick Hanna Dodge has arranged for a special ticket offer for Crew Fest 2, $10 for a general admission ticket, eight ticket limit per person, please. So that is starting today at noon at Dick Hanna Dodge. And uh, one final note, tomorrow at 9 a.m., uh, the KUFO half-off sale uh, goes live with gift certificates to Rasha Thai uh, and Asian Kitchen, which is uh, right there in the Clackamas Mall. And I went there earlier this week. I'm going to go there today. It was quite good. Uh, it was quite good. I had the, um, I had a, a curry dish, and then Laura had one that was actually vegan uh, as well, or not vegan, but vegetarian. Uh, and then we sort of swapped halfway through the meal. So it was great. Uh, you can get a $25 gift certificate for half off starting at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So of course you get it for $12. The Rasha Thai and Asian Kitchen, where Thai curry dishes are made traditionally, and they are quite good. That is tomorrow at 9 a.m. at KUFO.com. But if you're caller 10 right now, 503. 503- 228-4101. You will pick one of those up for nothing. It is 503-228-4101. Make a note of it because we're back tomorrow at 5 a.m. with guests including Aaron Duran and Dax Holt from TMZ. We want to thank Ryan White, music editor for The Oregonian, Dr. Kenneth Skelton, and Mr. Skin, who joined us today. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler at uh, the front desk to the gatekeepers. Dave Zinn, the webmistress Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donoff with me. Reynolds executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. Smells like the 90s is coming up next with our good friend Buzz. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Thursday, July 23rd, 2009, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.